Hello everyone and welcome back to the Super Show Podcast, episode number 125. I'm your host for this week, Jamie, and joining me, I'm very glad to be able to say, is a man sporting either the best or the worst gaming hoodie I've seen in months. I can't quite make up my mind. Mr. Alex Jones. Um, I can't believe you threw me under the bus that quickly. Like I thought there'd be <laughs> five, ten minutes yeah. where you'd let me stew. For the record, I got permission from Jonesy before we started recording to bring up the hoodie because I didn't want to put him on the spot. But yeah, he probably thought he'd get a bit more buffer time to ease into the recording before I called him out on his attire. I hate to start a podcast this early on with a segment that might only be relevant to people viewing the video version of this show. But is there any chance you could give the folks at home a sneak peek of exactly what you're adorned in today? Mate, I, I am not embarrassed at all. I'll show, the, I'll show the folks at home, look. There it is. Which, to, when I saw that, for anyone who is listening to the audio version, it's sort of a miniaturized version of Master Chief. And my comment yep. was like, oh, it's, you know, it's an Xbox mascot. That's not very you, Jonesy. You know, a traditionally PlayStation guy. To which you pointed out that there's actually more to the size and stature of the Chief than I had first realized. It also, you didn't even notice the first time. It also says sus. It says sus, which I'm sure uh, completes the picture for anyone wondering. Yeah, for, for anyone listening, it is um, Master Chief, but it's in the Among Us style. So there you go. Anyone who's uh, See, looking. It's kind of like, it, it's insulting on a number of different levels, because not only is it the <laughs> Among Usification of like an otherwise likable character, which much like the Funko Pop revolution has just ruined like so much of nostalgia I've got for great characters and great stories <laughs> and great movies and games and so on and so forth. But also, like, to just have the word sus on a like, what, what is that? I like you're how much wearing a hoodie out. that says the word sus on it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. I, jo- I joined up to this um, uh, like hoodie, t-shirt, like box thing where they, you know, they say, oh, we, we send you um, a t-shirt and a hoodie. It's like, tw- I think it was 20 quid a month. And they're like, and every month we send you a t-shirt and a hoodie. Isn't that cool and quirky? And oh, okay. I was like, you know what? I'm so bad at buying clothes. Like, yeah, all right, let me, let me hop on and, and do this thing. But it wasn't like a random cool thing that they just sent you and that they decided, like I, which I thought it was. You basically pick it. So you, you're supposed to go on and choose it. But I'm like, well, if I'm choosing it, I could just go and buy one. Like, why am I bothering? Um, so I didn't pick it for a couple of weeks. For, sorry, for a couple of months, because I thought, well, they're going to pick one for me. And I was getting shortchanged. I was getting the crappiest of crap T-shirts and hoodies. So I had two that, that were the same design, one on a T-shirt, one on a Damn. hoodie, which was a Harry Potter um, crossed with uh, Toy Story, the little aliens from Toy Story. It was oh, really, God. and I'm like, that's crap. So then I logged on. I, I cancelled it, basically. But then I had one more to do before the cancel went through. And I saw this um, Master Chief Among Us one, and I thought it was pretty cool. And I, do you know what? I wore it to pick up my kid from school, and lot of the little children were like, yeah. Among Us, Among Us. But that's not and a I good like, thing. It's Among Us. And then I said, it's also Master Chief. And they went, who's Master Chief? And I was like, that's right. so depressing. That's so depressing. Like, you know, when I was about to say the generation before us, maybe it's partially your generation as well, got like a little bit miffed when the generations beneath them started referring to floppy disks as the save icon because they'd never seen a floppy disk before. That is outrageous. I See, I the agree. The save icon. But I now feel the same way Like when kids at your son's school recognize an Among Us character or know what, like understand the word sus. Which I, I get, I get it. It's not that grand a word to understand. They they play Among Us in the playground. Like there was just a really good Halo game like six months ago. What yeah, it's a shame. I, a shame I couldn't play it because it was bust. Uh, these kids are living Rubbish. in a bubble, and you need to wake them up, Jonesy. 
weight them up with your hoodies. I will say also... Are you, are you Gen Z or are you a millennial? I'm a millennial, I think, technically. I mean, okay. I'm 30 next year, Jonesy. I'd love to... Oh, of course. I'd love to pretend I'm a young man. You, but You must be right on the cusp of millennial there. But uh, do you know what I, think is, I do think is quite funny? Because I, I like... I like the way that the uh, the generations kind of get at each other these days. It does make me smile. And because millennials are old now, people think millennials are old and, gr- and grumpy, and which is why they obviously they, they get called boomers, ironically, because obviously boomers, I guess, aren't really online. So yeah. they're not around. I guess some of them are. But, um, but what's weird to me now is like the Generation Z or Gen Z who think they're like young and cool and hip. Hip. Like, there you go. Um, now... I realised the other day that that's like, I don't think my kids are in that generation. I think they're in a generation after that generation. So my kids were born in um, end of the 20 teens. So I don't God. know if that's still Gen Z. That's so either whatever generation it is, it's just scary to think about like children. So they'll be coming yeah. up mad, like absolute psychos, like ripping Gen Z for being old and like, like people do with me, I'm sure now that yeah. I'm a millennial, like an older millennial. Which is so weird. It's, it's very strange. Oh, 100%. I don't know what my kids are going to be into. Like, I am a millennial and I'm 20 plus years older than your kids. And I still don't like the idea of being left behind. That's why I still play Fortnite every now and then. I've got to, <laughs> got to keep in touch. I've got to be, you know, on the same level. I don't want to become that Steve Buscemi meme. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You want to, uh, you want to be down with the kids. <laughs> of course you Yeah. Are. Absolutely, and Joan, and the yeah, I guess that's the thing I'm missing out on, right? Is more more Among Us themed hoodies, which I will say, if you didn't get to see Jonesy's Among Us themed Master Chief hoodie in all its glory, it's probably because you're listening to the audio version of this podcast. If that is the case, that's absolutely fine. Hello, wherever you are, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. There's no shortage of places that you could be listening to the audio version of this product. But if you did want to check out both Jonesy and my faces and that incredible hoodie, not quite in the flesh, but as close as you're going to get virtually, then you can head over to YouTube um, at Super Show Pods or just type in the Super Show Pod. I don't know. Type something in. You'll find us. You can watch it. You can like the video you can subscribe you can leave a comment if you want to do the social media thing you can head over to twitter at super show pods the handle we don't tweet that often but chris does read the dms and speaking of chris he as i'm sure the more um alert eagle-eyed uh viewers and listeners so far will have noticed he's not here this week jonesy but fortunately we can say it's for good reason because he's not uh dying or uh under a mountain of work or anything like that he's just on holiday um yeah the best reason to not yeah, be on the pod i guess literally i don't know what greek people do with like he's probably probably drinking tzatziki through a straw or something like that putting his feet up um, eating feta yeah wearing sandals for whatever it is 10 days straight that's like the mark of a chris j holiday for me is like the sandals and or flip-flops don't leave his feet apart from when he goes to bed um, no socks that's, for two weeks. That's straight. any holiday, isn't it? No, I it's not. I, I only wear flip flops on holiday. You're gross. I don't own a pair of flip flops or sandals. That's not even an wow. exaggeration. I don't own flip flops. I don't own sandals. I don't own sunglasses, and I don't own a single hat because I am prepped for this weather, the UK weather, all year round, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But that surprises me because I know that you're a guy who likes a a beer in a pub garden and watching the football. So I'm surprised absolutely. You don't- I'm surprised you don't own a hat in case and it's sunny. Nope. I, do you know what? I've got all the attire I need for a beer in a pub garden to watch the football during the summer. I've got black jeans. I've got a black hoodie, um, which I often then put up as well, just to increase the amount of heat and sort of like you know, <laughs> really increase the insulation. Um, it's everything I need. No, I'm wearing. Yeah. I'm, I've got. I've got my uh, forearms out today. I don't you do have, that every podcast. True. You know, 
This is a a once white t-shirt. <laughs> Was it? Yeah, believe it or not, this t-shirt used to be white many oh, well, many moons ago. It's now a lovely grey, so... It looks yeah. like it's meant to be grey, to be fair. It doesn't look like it was once white. I th- like yeah, I think that's why I've kept wearing it, because the discoloration or dis-whitification hasn't been that... Um... Ooh. Is that what a word? a good word, dis-whitification. That sounds like something people want to do to the world. It sounds like the opposite of what happened to Michael Jackson. Yes. His was just the regular whitification. Right. Um, yep. And speaking of people who are primed for UK weather all year round, Josie, I can't imagine that sentiment applies any more... Uh, more to anyone else than the good people of Scotland, including which you might find the uh, the owners and operators of Paisley Radio over at paisleyradio.com, and you can listen to this podcast over there Thursdays at 10pm. It's repeated on Mondays. That link, once again, paisleyradio.com, if you ever want to listen to us in a kind of online digital radio pre-recorded after the fact, but also still streamed live format, that option is open to you. And with that, Jonesy... Shall we um, not disappoint Chris any further by jumping right into some at least gaming tangentially related, like gaming adjacent chatter? He he would be proud that we got to it this quickly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't keep time because I don't, none of us do stopwatches like Chris does. But I'd imagine like we're early-ish. We're probably still inside the first ten minutes, if not on the cusp. So not quite record time, but we're getting there. We're, we're pretty close. Hey, I think that the uh, the Among Us Halo talk at the, right at the top would count. Hey, exactly, exactly. I'm see, I'm already ticking boxes that I didn't even know we were ticking. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start actually, Josie. Before we jump into the various bits and pieces of news and new things that have happened this weekend, we will be talking about the confirmation of the new of the name for Dragon Age Four. We're going to be talking about the uh, latest gameplay reveal or the first gameplay reveal um, of Sonic Frontiers Open World. We're going to be talking about the new entry in the Star Wars Jedi series and so on and so forth. But because it is the 2nd of June as we're recording this, it's the first podcast we've done in June, which means we are now officially in the calm before the storm, before the June onslaught of gaming streams and conferences and showcases and just news in general begins. I know, I'm celebrating too on the inside. I it's been so of- dry, Jamie. We've oh. had to talk about for weeks. Well, Jonesy, the good news is the dryness uh, ceases today, in fact. But I did just want to do a little bit of housekeeping on... Is this what... like lube, then? Is this like getting lubed up? No, like, so oh, we're already lubed up. We're rubber, rubber Don lubed up, and she's there, legs akimbo. We're just waiting for the right moment. Like, we're doing a speech, a little... a little. We're warming her up. Like, you know, we, that's a normal thing to <laughs> like... do, right? Yeah, yeah, like a general pattern speech just before you get down to business. Exactly, yeah. Like it, like, yeah. or you just do your favorite speech from a from a movie, like a memorable speech from a movie, like a little monologue, just to really get her warmed up. Or him, or the men don't oh, get warmed up in the same way. I tweeted a movie quote last night from an intro to a film that I I thoroughly enjoy, and I challenged people who uh, uh, follow me on Twitter um, at Super Show Jonesy. If you don't follow me, follow me on Twitter. Um, and not many people, I think one person got what film it was from. Actually, it was. It's not a monologue. Do you know the quote to heart? Can you say it without uh, pulling up the tweet? I can, but okay. I don't know if I should, because we might get the old uh, the censors of the... Um, oh, shit. Well, it's very sweary. So um, hmm. yeah, I'll say it, I'll say it. But Fuck it. If, you don't like, if you don't like swearing, I'm about to swear lots. So just be warned. Because I, I don't know, some people don't like cursing and swearing, do they? The line is... Also, I don't know. I think my <laughs> are you listening are up to children? <laughs> my, I was just, my wife is just coming down the stairs, which means my kids are asleep. The line is, shut that cunt's mouth before I come over there and fuck start her head. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, that that is strong. Not too bad on the cursing meter. I think that's just to to it. But also, like, I can imagine the um the sort of the body language of the the speaker might also it's sending a very particular message. It is, and it is it is oh, it's such a great. It's, so it's way of it's from the intro of Way of the Gun. Uh, Ryan Philippi, Benicio del Toro, Sarah Silverman. Um, I think it's Tay Diggs. Like, there's so many famous people in that movie, and it is wicked. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. But the intro is one of my favorite intros of all time. I think the intro of Thursday is another intro that I thoroughly enjoy. Do you know? Do you want to know something funny? I was gonna bring up Thursday because Thursday and Way of the Gun are two of the most like Jonesy movies of all the Jonesy <laughs> movies because they're weirdly obscure as well. Like nowadays, they are, yeah. Like to movies that could have picked up a cult following, but it, but kind of just didn't. Yeah, no, it's, and it, Thursday because um, as well, like even now, like looking back now, like Thomas Jane, um, Aaron Eckhart, and oh, who's the guy, the boxer guy, uh, who's in the wrestler? What's Mickey his name? Rourke. Mickey Rourke are all in uh, Thursday, so those films are packed with like amazing actors, like very famous people, but they just don't have. Not many people have seen them. Thursday is really hard to get hold of. If you want to try and buy that on buy that on Blu-ray, you cannot or DVD, you can't get it. I had to buy it for I bought it for a mate of mine. I think I had to buy it from Norway or oh, from Sweden or something and get it imported. Um, Those bloody scandies. Yeah, very good though. Very good. You well, get a chance both maybe the, maybe that's the homework for this week. Is the, the if the folks at home try and get their hands on, and we're not going to say whether it has to be done legally or that's you know what you do in your business and your spare time is up to you. <laughs> but try and get your hands on either Thursday and or Way of the Gun, and then Jonesy will finally have someone to talk to about the two things he's <laughs> most passionate about in life. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I've I've derailed us again. Let's get back to the game. Not at all. I can't even remember like how we got onto that. But what I was going to say is that. Um, uh, uh, just a little bit of a, a structural information because as people will be listening to this podcast um, from Friday onwards, Friday the 3rd, uh, Sony and PlayStation will have kickstarted not just the sort of sort of E3-ish, June-ish thing that's going on, but in fact Summer Games Fest itself with a state of play live stream that is happening later tonight as of time of recording. Um and I will say, yeah, like, interesting note there, officially a part of Summer Games Fest because Sony did start promoting it this week with the Summer Games Fest logo in the corner. I thought that was a kind of slightly interesting change for Sony who were usually a little bit sort of hands-off, even especially mm. when it was still E3 and Keeley wasn't even on the scene. Sony very much kind of wanted to do their own thing. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but in order to not be completely behind and uh, and because essentially this time next week it's going to be the Summer Games Fest and so it's... a this weird thing of if we set a precedent of recording to every event net the week after, then we would be uh, eight days late to every single event um, for the entire uh, of the summer. So what we are going to do is we're going to record, we're going to chat about that news that um, I mentioned earlier, and at the end of this podcast, you will see us um, in complete in the smoothest transition of all time, no doubt, return to talk about the state of play. So we will have our reactions to that. But I basically what I'm saying is if Sony just did the most unbelievable thing, if Final Fantasy 16 looks amazing, if Resident Evil 4 Remake got, sent, get, get, got announced, if God of or Ragnarok has a release date and we're not you know falling over each other to discuss it in the early stages of the podcast that's why because we're in the past and you're in your present but soon we're going to be a part of your future yes kind so stick with up, us to yeah. the end is what Jamie's saying and you'll hear our you'll hear our reaction to the uh, the state of play yeah I'm looking forward to it, Jones. Like you, you're as your fist pumping earlier would have suggested it's going to be a really fun month and with 
whatever happens with the state of play, I think next week as well with the Summer Games Fest show with Xbox, um, there's been hints this week that Kojima might be up to something. Look, I feel like the amount of times we've said in this podcast, Kojima's up to his old tricks, <laughs> must be running in the thousands now. But he's been tweeting some weird things, including just a very cryptic image of a clock. There have also been some images of Jeff Keighley and... Hideo Kojima communicating, whether they were planning something or rehearsing something, who knows, I wouldn't want to speculate, but things should be happening this month. And that's cool, right? That's always good. That is very, very cool. And this is always, well, this has become like the best sort of two months in the gaming calendar, obviously with Game Fest, Summer Game Fest coming in. And because it, I, th- I think now that everyone kind of waits for it, when it was E3, it didn't even seem as dry as it does nowadays leading up to Summer Game Fest. And I guess that's because it's a longer period of time. So people maybe delay things just a little bit and they can fall into that slot. Um, yeah. But no, it's now it's now a great sort of... Um, uh, I'm going to say, what, it's, it's about two months, isn't it? You get like the main month and then you get all the dregs and dribs yeah. from the, um, like these smaller indies and stuff who push stuff out a little bit later. So even after Summer Game Fest finishes, you've still got news coming in um, like almost weekly for a while. So right. and then June and July, the, epic. Even the outliers of Sony have shown a preference towards September in the past, which right. in those cases, it almost makes it a three-month ordeal, which I know some people don't like because it feels a bit too drawn out. I get that, but it's still, it's news, you know? It is. It's, it's more than we've had for the last few weeks. Although, would it surprise you, Jonesy, with all the chats we've had about them as a company in recent weeks and... Um, the lack of a grip it seems like they've got on what they're making and when they're making it and how and when they're releasing it, as illustrated by the video game Roller Champions, which, for anyone who missed it, is in fact now out, and I don't know a single soul on planet Earth who even knows that fact, let alone has played it. Um, Ubisoft... Well, we mentioned it, didn't we? We were talking about it. Uh, we, mentioned, but we, we mentioned it before, when they gave it a surprise release date. I haven't heard yeah. a single mention of it since it actually came out, which it has nope. done. Crazy. Um, so what I was going to say is, would you be surprised here, Jonesy, that Ubisoft are not planning an E3-style show and we are not going to hear from them until later on in the year? I'm not surprised. They, 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 I don't know what the hell they're doing these days. They do seem like they don't know where they're going, what they're at, what they're up to, like what's going on. Like it, It's just been super weird. So yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm sad because Ubisoft, they're one of those companies that have such a good pedigree. Um, and so I'd love them to get back into a really good state and to sort of be like, yeah, we're coming with a really great show and we're going to be there, you know, during the Summer Game Fest. But, you know, if they're not there. Yeah, I guess one of those things of like, don't show us anything until you're ready to show us anything. It does seem weird when they've got so many irons in the fire and all these projects that seem to be at various stages of ready to come out. But do you know what? It's fine. They'll probably pop up in September. They'll show us more gameplay of that Avatar thing, and that's that's probably going to be 2022 in a nutshell for Ubisoft. Um, one company that was almost on a similar trajectory, but used a an adjacent uh, sort of gathering of fans and commotion to announce a project they've got coming up is EA, Jonesy, because of course EA have confirmed that there won't be an EA play this year, but they did piggyback on the recently held Star Wars celebration to announce the biggest title that they have coming up in the next, let's say the next 12 months presumably, that had yet to be formally revealed, and that is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a sequel to a game that you finished very, very recently, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, announced for 2023, we got a cinematic trailer. What you, you, you were saying to me earlier that, you know, naturally, kind of carrying on from finishing Fallen Order straight into this, a little bit of hype. Yeah, for sure. So um, I uh, I kind of fell off Fallen Order in a, in a 
because of the gameplay loop that I was in and the region I was in, I wasn't quite as invested as I had been in the earlier game. But when I got back onto it, it all, it all went sort of much more in a direction that I was um, keen on, which was like fighting stormtroopers and like Darth Vader appears and it gets much more back into like the Jedi lore and you get all this cool stuff going on. Um, so yeah, finished that game a few weeks ago and now, or a couple of weeks ago, um, and was really hyped to like keep playing more of that. And obviously one of the things that made me want to um jump back on that was all the star wars stuff that's been coming out recently like um uh obi-wan kenobi um um even down to like mandalorian which i hadn't even finished i've only just finished season two of mandalorian a few weeks ago um and that is that that game whilst it's not some areas of it aren't exactly the sort of game i like to play because it is a bit more from softy than i'm yes sort of keen on um but when you tie you know you've got respawn making it and it's got all of the um star warsy elements to it as well like there's a lot more to sort of keep me playing a from softy style game um and i i did really enjoy it i'm getting back into it yeah really enjoyed it and was just keen for more so um we knew that this was coming but to see the cinematic trailer and to sort of see the, the maybe the bit of the direction they're going in um, yeah was pretty was 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 very 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 needed for me and especially the 2023 release date i'm hyped like, yes i haven't got to wait till I haven't got to wait too long. I've <laughs> exactly. got to wait till God knows when. I wonder if that would be a nice little Q1 spot as well, like a little sort of a February or March or an Feb. April joint. It feels yeah. like a bit of a Feb joint, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can get you behind that. that. A, bit of a, a bit of Feb magic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to pick up on some of the uh, Star Wars-y stuff that you mentioned there and kind of how they're positioning this game and what they said about it so far. Unsurprisingly, they've described it as a third-person narrative-driven action-adventure title that picks up five years after the events of the original game. That's probably more or less in spite of the Soulsborne elements that you mentioned there. I'd imagine that's how they described the first game, so that doesn't sound like a huge departure in terms of you know the gameplay or kind of what how the game might feel or play. Um, trusty sidekick BD-1 returns. Of course, protagonist Cal Kestis is still in the hot seat. He is now one of the last remaining Jedi in the galaxy, and he must acquire new skills and grow his connection with the Force to stay one step ahead of the Empire's constant pursuit. If you asked me whether or not you were describing Jedi Survivor or Jedi Fallen Order, I wouldn't know, because that's kind of how I remember the first game. A One of the last remaining Jedi has to acquire new skills and grow his connection with the Force to escape the Empire's constant pursuit, but I'm sure they'll find new ways to put a spin on it. Um, and they will do so by leveraging advanced technology to create more dynamic Jedi combat and cinematic storytelling to expand on Cal's story as he matures and survives during the dark times. And the reason I wanted to pick up on that, Jonesy, is because before we started recording, you kind of joked to me that in spite of how much you liked Jedi Fallen Order, going back to finishing it and were excited for this later century, that you would probably be more in favour of significant changes to that gameplay formula than others fans might be as a result of... Um, not necessarily loving its adherence to some of those Soulsborne principles. Am I overthinking it? But or when I read more uh, advanced technology to create more dynamic Jedi combat, that doesn't sound like the kind of way you'd hype up the next iteration of a combat system based on Soulsborne-style ideologies, where that is kind of... I wouldn't say that Soulsborne games are stiff, and I think Sekiro and um, and Elden Ring have shown that they can, in fact, be very fluid and dynamic and have, you know, lots of things going on. But it, it still, for me, at the core, has always had those principles of, like, it's about patience and it's about animations and knowing, like, how long things are going to take to do, or for both for you and an opponent, and when to make your move and timing and stuff like that. And I... I don't know, the, like the 
the idea of com lightsaber combat becoming more dynamic while still being within that Soulsborne frame. It's, it's, a, it's a strange one because one of the things, um, especially toward the, uh, the end stage of the game, I think Fallen Order became a game of two halves. It was a sense of you have like the FromSoft boss battle style fights where it's all about rolling out of the way of an attack, um, learning their patterns, you know, knowing when they're going to do an, un um, uh, an unblockable attack. That, which are the elements that I don't enjoy as much, I must admit. Right. Um, but that was married with uh, very fluid combat and especially with the force powers, like a, you feel like a badass going around taking out stormtroopers with one hit and it's about closing distance. And it almost feels more like, um, uh, um, like a Shadow of Mordor or a, um, a Batman Arkham game in some sense. Okay. You're closing, you're closing distance, you're dispatching groups of enemies, um, not just one person. I much more prefer. I prefer that combat. I think that combat is much better for a Jedi sort of style game. I do like the boss battles, but this to me suggests that they are going to be maybe preferencing the larger groups, more dynamic fighting, but um, you know, in that style, as opposed to more of the boss battles where you're just timing and you're rolling out the way and you're trying to like gauge what they're doing. Because I think they kind of nailed that. I don't see how, unless they're sort of talking about dynamic, as in like you know introducing elements of scenery and different things coming into the battle yeah but so this kind of makes me feel good about the game as if maybe they're going to bring more of those elements in because i i'm like the final sort of level where you're fighting groups of stormtroopers you're force pushing and pulling and and throwing them around and chopping them in half like, i love all of that and when mm. you when it's you one v one against the boss and he's just, and you're sort of looking at his health bar and you're hammering him and then he's i don't i just don't enjoy that so this kind of gives me pause to say, oh, actually, maybe they're going in the way, more in the way that I'd want. Still a fantastic game. I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad I went back to it. I'm glad I finished it. Um, yeah. But there's also a weird thing with FromSoft games that I often, because of when maybe they preference like bigger bosses or like or bigger enemies, there are there are fewer of them, which always makes the games feel a little bit, little bit more um, empty. And I definitely got that a bit from Fallen Order. It was a lot of um, walking around like wild environments in the wilderness, fighting the occasional animal and like a group of enemies. But then it was kind of empty again. Again, if they've got, if they're saying more dynamic Jedi combat, maybe that suggests that they're going to have some more built up areas, some more like small villagey areas, maybe small city areas where you're going to get to do some more, you know, force maybe. powers. Maybe. Maybe lightning. Maybe he turns a bit evil and he gets um, some Sith powers on the go as well. I have one request on the Force power side of things. This is never going to happen. But all I want is some Force Unleashed style telekinesis. I want to like, grab a stormtrooper, pick a stormtrooper up and like dangle him from his ankle and then slam him into the ground, then slam him into the ceiling, then slam him into a wall and then drop him on his head. No, not drop him on his head. Position him on top of another dead stormtrooper so it looks like they're bumming. <laughs> I, do you know what I loved that about Force Unleashed? I thought that was one of that was one of the best things about that game. But yeah. even in the end of Fallen Order, though, you could do just like the walking up to it, like two or three stormtroopers were like, "He's over here," and then you can just go, <laughs> and then they all just go flying off a cliff. And it's yes, brilliant. Like I, pref I think that is cool. And then you say to me, "Do you want to do that, or do you want to do some FromSoft boss battle style?" I'm like, "No, no, let me just push stormtroopers off of a cliff." Like yeah. I prefer that. And we were discussing. 
No, I, I get that, of course. And like we were discussing before we started recording the idea that, and I, don't get me wrong, it's not that radical or you know, sort of groundbreaking a concept, but obviously one of the things that's great about sequels like this when you know a studio goes out of their way to not you know develop a new IP in this case, obviously Star Wars, very well known, but certainly go out on a new tangent and create a new series and, and say, hey, here's a, you know, a new a new thing within our wheelhouse as Respawn Entertainment. This is a new thing we do. And when EA Greenlight's sequel to that, then they have the capacity to take all the work they did on um, Jedi Fallen Order and build on that. So, you know, obviously things will change and there will be new animations that are added to the book. But such just certain things like where it might only need tweaking, whether that's, you know, certain animation sets or certain, you know, the appearance or the visuals of certain things and uh, you know, how they, like enemies and move sets and ai and just all like so many things that they can build on as opposed to having to do from scratch as you might have to with a newer title hopefully that does open the door for you know a much bigger scale and scope of sequel and kind of as you mentioned there like it's hard for me to imagine this game like having an environment that is akin to a city like i don't think calcestis is ever going to be running around you know a kind of anything resembling a kind of living or breathing world and like NPCs go like I don't think they're going to go in that direction but no but they I, st- I think they could take like an area of a city do you know what I mean they could have like a slightly more populated sort of area. Uh, yeah I agree with you, you would, it wouldn't be like an open world kind of thing going on yeah but I think they they was teased it in in the in Fallen Order where they had some areas that were more like oh this could have been a little more populated yeah, the um, area that you escape at the very beginning of the game, where you know, like you only ever see snippets of it, but you are essentially almost leaving a city, and there's that big train scene, and yes, yes. Yeah, so you, I think they could push that sort of a little bit more, um, but yeah, I suppose they are they are limited because it's not an open world game. It's not like a, it's not yeah. a bloody cyberpunk meets like lightsabers. Prey two meets <laughs> Jedi Fall. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Mentioned- I, I kind of hope they move away from the Metroidvania thing as well. Oh, they're not going to. Like, there's, there's, yeah. there's no way they will now, but I, it's fine. I mean, I guess it's fine. But Yeah, yeah I, I think like it's an adherence to those principles that I agree. I don't think they're going to get away from, at least not dramatically, that kind of defines what some of the locations are going to be like and how they have to be built. And a lot of them have to be designed in such a way where, like, you might go there one time and there's like kind of an A route for story purposes and there's a B route maybe for other story purposes or there's a way in and there's a way out but there's things you can explore over here and there's a puzzle over there and there's collectibles over there and again in classic sequel fashion I can see them doubling down on the amount of things there are to do and or find off the beaten track maybe not in the way of you know explicit side quests but perhaps more than just sort of like you know, additional cosmetic rewards like uh, lightsaber handles or whatever it was in the first game. Like, I could see them trying to beef that up a bit more. Um, so it's not just, you know, those sort of very slight cosmetic tweaks that you're running. Side, I'd, I'd agree with you. Side quest would be a nice touch. Just some some reason for you to go back to a planet mm-hmm. with when you're more powered up that seems more in keeping with, uh, like, Jedi lore or something. You know, you're going to help someone do this or you're going to go and find this. You're going to do that. Just to move away a little bit from the oh, I'm just going to go now and go to that planet because it says I'm only 65% completed and I'll go there and run around until I found it. Yeah. Like, if there was an impetus for the, for going there, I just something like that would work. And I think you're right. I think side quests would be a quite good way of doing that. Because um, even like Met, the new, the latest Metroid game um, did quite a good job of giving you reason to go backtrack. Um, it, it kind of said, oh, now the world's changed and you need to go back and you need to go through this area again and look at it maybe in a different way. 
So maybe they need to do something like that. But hey, they've said more cinematic storytelling. So maybe there will be. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, the last thing I'd like to love to see, um, just to mention it before we move on, uh, is something that I actually thought was slightly off with Jedi Fallen Order from the very first time they revealed gameplay, which is that I think they never quite got the, whether it was the animations or just the general fluidity of traversal down in a way that I expected from Respawn, because obviously we were watching the Jedi Fallen Order reveal off the back of Titanfall 2, which, again, from a first-person perspective, but, you know, the movement of, within Titanfall 2 was so tight and felt so good to do. They could yeah. build entire platforming sequences within the single-player component of that game that, in spite of being a first-person shooter, and, like, we you know, we talked in the past about how in games like Doom and Doom Eternal, we've disagreed on the, the relevance or the place of platforming sequences within FPS games. Like, in Titanfall 2, there's no questioning it. And when you're sort of running those gauntlets of, like, wall jumping and double jumping and timing things, but, like, it felt so good. And it I felt like while they did try and get some elements, like, wall running was involved in Shadow Fallen Order, there was something about the movement speed and the fluidity of Cal Kess as a protagonist that never got to those Titanfall 2 heights, which I know is a very high bar, don't get me wrong. But I'd love to see them take more inspiration from third like third person um action and adventure games um that have had like that their that their traversal has been a little bit more on point and i, I can't think of any of real I'd, I'd agree with you i think there was a there was sometimes there was maybe a bit of a floatiness to it that they could have um you know sorted out i one pet peeve of mine was anytime you had you like slipped down um, you know, they'd go, oh, now you're going to slide down this endless sort of um, yes. uh, slippery slope or tree branch or something, and it always felt super janky. Um, and I think in, in a few occasions, I just ended up dying in those sections for like jumping where I was supposed to jump, and it would just glitch out and kill me. And I was like, what? And then it would put you back into the same slope. And I'm like, they haven't quite nailed this this particular element of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think what's funny about that is I think as a <clears throat> as a first um game excuse me <clears throat> i think they absolutely set the groundwork to say that the only way they're going to go from there is up and i think they were it was already very good so um i'd be surprised if they didn't nail it sort of uh, second yeah. time around i mean it's respawn right so that that, that yeah, bodes exactly. well i mean things Agreed. can go wrong cd project red blah 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 blah, blah. but um <laughs> uh optimistic for now one last question i saw a rumor this week that darth maul could be in this who would you want to see from the expanded Star Wars universe make a surprise appearance, assuming in a Darth Vader-esque fashion that it was handled appropriately? Um, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna go with uh, if if the timelines match up because I can't. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> I'm not oh no, no. Be, would it, would it... I'm not gonna be the person who's able to question you on that. That so don't worry. The comments will do that. The timelines would not match up. But I would say Mandalorian. Okay, cool. They could they do it because they had, they had Order sixty six happens in Fallen Order, um, and Mando meets Luke Skywalker after he when he's left when he's become a Jedi. No, yeah, it doesn't match up, does it? Because he's what about would, whoever's Jedi. alive out of Boba Fett and Jango Fett? Uh, Jango Fett. It would be Jango Fett. Um, would you sell no, for them? No, they've undone it because the the book um, Bubba Fett's still alive, isn't it? I don't. I haven't watched any of those shows. Sorry, not Django. Django's the dad. So Django's dead. Bubba Fett is Django the uh, dad, huh? Yeah, Django's the dad. Bubba Fett is supposed to be dead because he died in this in the desert. But you'd find out that he didn't die. 
um, because he turns up in Mandalorian and he is in obviously Book of Boba Fett, so he survived. Yeah, he gets his own show. Um, so he, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember how the timelines. Work. Oh, fun! They would All still fun. be alive. Actually, that's not even right because Mandalorian would be alive because he was a kid and then he was a Mandalorian and then um, it's probably yeah. years when there was crossover. So I'm Plus, sure it'd be fine. Mandalorian. You be- there you go. Mandalorian. Okay, and you can do all kinds of funky stuff because I think even saying Darth Maul, like that's a dude who got chopped in half and fell down a bottomless pit and still came back. So, um, albeit with spider legs, I think I don't know if they wreck on that. Did he come back? Uh, yeah, I think that's the whole point. Is Darth Maul's like there's the, there's a whole thing I can't remember. It's, it's in one of the animated shows, but like Darth uh, Maul goes right. on to be like a really si- significant character post Phantom Menace. Because he comes back and he, he get they build him legs, the uh, robotic legs, the spider legs, um, ah, and that's okay. and that's why he's that. in. Did you? Uh, uh, this is now crazy spoiler territory. I'm sorry, but did you ever see um, Solo, the standalone? Yes. Well, Darth Maul's in that. He's the is holo- he? he's the hologram of Darth Maul. Speaks to um, whoever it is. Oh, I haven't seen it since it came out. I've I've forgotten about that. Yeah, there you go. D- D- basically, Darth Maul's knocking around. They, they they were like, this guy looks too cool to just die. Well, so his um, his planet is in the is in Fallen Order as well. That's the area that I wasn't that keen on. Was like the brothers. Oh, the night, right, the yeah, night, the Night Brothers. I think they're called. Um, yeah. And you end up fighting the Jedi who uh, kind of makes them become. Yeah. Bad, whatever dudes they are. Like he's the boss fight at the end of that area. He yes. takes his shirt off or his top. Yeah, he loves getting his shirt off, and he's got yeah. two lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, right, I, I think we probably filled our Star Wars quota for this week. So um, <laughs> promise me you're not going to mention anything Star Wars or Star Wars related for the rest of the podcast, Jamesy. <laughs> I can't do you. that. Yeah, I'm teasing you, I know. Uh, I will we... say I'm not going to mention Lego Star Wars, though, because I know people get annoyed about okay, that. Okay, and to be fair, I do want to hear about what you're <clears throat> talking about coming up. But before we get there, I want to throw in a little comment of the week, because this one caught our eye from David Wolmer Jr. Talk about someone who's not afraid to just say what they think and go against the grain, Jonesy. How about this? Personally, Skyrim is hands down the most overrated game I've ever played. The feeling of jank pervades every aspect of it, brackets especially the melee combat and character facial animations, and the open world is boring with a capital F. And what I love about that especially is there is no F in boring. Um, so, so, um, yeah, no, that's very um, good. I feel like David is not only trying to... Um, you know, maybe generate a little bit of conversation, a little bit of intrigue amongst other commenters and onlookers, but also trying to appeal to a your good nature, Jonesy, because in your mind, let's not forget, after last week's discussion, Skyrim is the most simple building block, compound simplicity, open world RPG of all time. Compound everything is compound simplicity. The most complex things in the entire universe are compound simplicity. So don't give me that. Anyway, no. Um... I, I kind of I get where he's coming from. Like there is a thing that is a well-known thing with Bethesda that, that their games are janky because in order to build such big worlds with like that much story going on, there's gonna be some jank. Like you're always gonna get it if if you want a really well-cultivated um, uh, story that has no jank. You have to have a game like a like Call of Duty or something like that where everything is prescribed and it's like you know super linear, like the older sort of Call of Duty games. Um, if you're going to have an open world, you're going to have jank in it somewhere, purely because like it's more complicated. I think Bethesda, though, people understand that the jank and the the enjoyment are two things that kind of go together. But hey, if he had a bad time with um, some of the melee combat and that, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sort of um, get get annoyed with him. It's it's, it's yeah. their own. 
I guess that's the kind of the, the, the defense David's got is that his comment does start with personally, which means we can't necessarily tell him. I will say for my money that Skyrim is not the most overrated game I've ever played, nor did I feel think the feeling of jank kind of bled into everything. Um like but but you're absolutely right that, that jank goes hand in hand with Bethesda open world RPGs and it's been better in some cases and worse in others, and the extent to which people are able to overlook it to focus on a game's stronger attributes has long defined what you think of those games. A classic case in point for me is Fallout New Vegas, which I'm from my experiences was one of the more buggy and janky Bethesda well, it was uh, obviously Obsidian, but Bethesda published, let's say, open world games that I played at the time. And, you know, in the years since I've grown to realise that people absolutely adored that game's story and setting and and so on and so forth in a way that I never really saw. So there is a to each their own element to here. Um, I think gaming is all about yeah. finding elements that you enjoy and um, and games, especially when the things that you enjoy, you enjoy a lot and the things that you don't really care for don't really bother you. So you might have a game which other people love, but you can't get over one tiny aspect of it because you just don't like the way that you, you might not like the score. You might not like the sound effects and you think that, that makes the game crap or you might not like the combat and that makes yep. it really bad. But if you don't care about those things, um, you might play the same game and you might have a completely different experience. And I think Bethesda um, embody that like through and through. If you want, if you like games that are sprawling open worlds with like engaging stories and loads of different threads and narratives, I completely understand why people fall in love with those games and yeah, play them totally. nonstop. And similarly, like FromSoft games, I cannot get into the main core of FromSoft games, no matter how hard I try, because I don't enjoy the most enjoyable elements of those games people enjoy about them. i find them you know to be the things that i'm not that into in games so, um yeah and i think to exactly personally as he said as david warmer said personally it's all about all about the personal game we're gonna find that out the hard way later in this podcast when we record a reaction to that state of play complaining about it all being final fantasy or final fantasy or anime bullshit without chris here to set us right <laughs> and then we'll wake up in the morning to find out it was actually the best state of play of all time <laughs> Like, yeah oh, yes oops. Oh, see, but that's, i like that as well i like it when you see something and you go that was crap and some other people go oh no it was great and you're like what were you watching because i don't think i was watching the same thing yeah. and you could just so i i've actually played a little bit i started to play red dead redemption 2 again recently um fantastic and game a fantastic game in so many ways there is jank in that game like the the movement for example is a bit janky like some of those ways he moves and interacts with things isn't as slick as a lot of other games, but the game on the whole is absolutely bloody fantastic. And so I think you allow, mm. you allow element because you have, it's, the way they made that game is they had to make it in that way. It's not like they made it on purpose, like be a bit janky. They made it like that because in 90% of the time, the movement works for the game. And sometimes it, you know, maybe it slips off here and there. But does it? Mm, okay. Oh, it. Oh, it, oh, come on, man! It does. We try and walk up. I mean, we try and get into a, a gunfight with people while nah. you're near some stairs, and you just can't just start sliding know. up and down, mm. and you can't climb a step, and you get a bit stuck, uh, and you're like, "What is this game?" But, but you, you could, it could be that you're right. It could also be that you're wrong, and you're talking about a perfect video game. But uh, <laughs> it could be. Mm, but like I said, ninety percent of that game, the the movement for that is perfect because it makes it, it has weight, it has heft. The walking looks fantastic. The way that you move around that world fits. And you wouldn't want someone who was like floaty running on top of the land and didn't seem to be part of it, even if that meant you had more fluid movement in other parts of the game. So, you know, engines and games and stuff are developed and designed in certain ways. 
Yeah, and, and in the case of Red Dead Redemption 2, that was a game that was developed to be one of the best <laughs> games of all time. And I think that's uh, off to Rockstar Mission Accomplished, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We're talking about a jank-free, perfect experience. Um, yeah, no, to be fair, jank is not the right word, but it's, I don't know what I'd call it, but I suppose it wouldn't be jank. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you know what else has a jank-free, perfect experience? It's uh, it's this, it's the Super Show podcast, and that is probably why so many people have seen fit to support the growth and the continuation of the Super Show podcast by giving us money on Patreon, uh, because if you head over to patreon.com forward slash Super Show, you will see that we are opening our doors to you, the folks at home, to lend us your um, support in a monetary form so that we can keep going, keep recording podcasts and keep producing other fun bits and pieces of content along the way. That link again is patreon.com forward slash super show. And if you head over there and take a little look around, what you'll find is there are different tiers that await you, different tiers corresponding to different pledges that one can make. For example, um, if you pay $2 a month, you'll get access to our private discord server at $5 a month and $10 a month. You'll find access to different kinds of content that we have produced exclusively for patrons. There's, you know, patrons, exclusive podcasts there's uh, spoiler casts there's old content from the all-time gaming vault that never saw the light of day and i believe uh, if all goes to plan there will be an additional piece of patron exclusive content hitting uh, in the next couple of days as we're recording this because uh, whilst you listening to this podcast now will be able to hear us uh, give our summary and thoughts on the playstation state of play after it has happened and after we have consumed and digested all it has to offer we are also planning on recording a live watch along on the state of play so if you ever felt like you wanted to watch something like that along with us and see our live jaws as they uh, drop and hit the floor as um some game that we're not that excited about gets announced but we're pretending to be excited about it because it's youtube and entertainment then you can do that and that'll be on one of those tiers for example um Yes. So um, with that, I do want to give a quick shout out, actually, to the people who are already supporting us on Patreon, because Lord knows they are making all the difference. There are some names on screen right now. And I also want to give some personal shout outs to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdell Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Pierce, Neil Dugel's Dream of Prosthetic Mustaches, Daniel, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, The Ballers Beauty, The Gorgeous Gelding, The Yummy Unit. Nick, the one and only Mark Clancy and the Big Dogs, the Head Honchos, Bretzy, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and Magna, may your cock never burn, Mikkelsen. Thank you all ever so much for your um for your support, for your generosity. Uh, genuinely, although I sometimes find it so a little bit weird and uncomfortable to talk about um the idea of people pledging or donating money so that we continue producing this thing, which is usually why I resort to some kind of weird self-deprecating humour around the whole thing. Genuinely, uh, it makes a massive difference. And uh, point blank, we would not still be doing this if it weren't for the support that so many of you have seen fit to give us over the last two-plus years now, Jonesy. It's a very long time. No, thank you so much, everybody who supports us. Thank you um, if, if you support us on Patreon, and even if you just watch this, drop a comment below, like it, whatever, share it, um, subscribe to the channel. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you. Um, before we get into some news, Jonesy, um, and I feel like I've said that sentence about six times already this podcast, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing. Let's catch up on our last week, our last seven days in multimedia. Um 
And if you don't mind, I'll actually I'll, I'll jump the gun here and go first because I think I've actually got go for a little bit less to talk about than you. Um, that is because all I've really been playing in the past week is V Rising, which is the hot new survival crafting action adventure kind of Diablo inspired game um, that is sort of I'm not going to say taken the internet by storm over the last couple of weeks, but it has been a something of a breakout success that you know many people are drawing parallels to the likes of Valheim when that was an early hit I think in the uh, in early stages of last year for example it has now um, at the time of recording I'm sure it's fast approaching 2 million sales I know they hit the 1 and then the 1.5 million sales mark um, not that long ago which again for an independently uh, produced and published game um, from a developer that they have made something before, but I think it was a bit of a weird, like I think it was like a MOBA then that they abandoned. Bit of a weird story, something like that. Um, but yeah, a bit of one, one of those sort of breakout Steam success stories. Um, we got sent a key, so thought it would be fun to kind of check it out and see what it's all about. Um, and thankfully, I was joined by our old friend Steph Murphy, who joined me in as well. We ventured into the forests as vampires, as the V in the name would suggest, to basically do everything that you thought you might be doing in a game with such a genre um so um stop me if this sounds familiar jonesy i i hit trees and <laughs> those trees gave me wood and um when i hit rocks i got rock and when i hit copper thing veins i got copper and i eventually started building a base where i could put down various tools and workbenches and and so on and so forth that would allow me to refine some of these raw natural elements into other elements that could then be used for example would you be surprised to hear that i mined some copper ore turned it into copper ingots and then used that those copper ingots to make uh, copper weaponry um i think i've heard this story before yeah um <laughs> How, how, yeah. I didn't realise that you got to sort of build bases and stuff and that there was sort of crafting involved. Yeah. I thought it was much more in the line of... Um, um, oh, God. I don't even know. I think you even mentioned it already. I thought Valheim? it was more in the line... No, I thought it was more in the, in the sense of a... Um, shit, what is the... Diablo. Diablo, that was the one. Well, uh, yeah, I'll get to that. I think it's because, like, at its core, when you look at what V Rising is doing and how it's going to keep you engaged over the course of, say, like a 20, 30, 40, 50 hours, that's where the more Diablo-like elements come into it. Right. I think what I'm... What I, so I've only played three hours of V Rising, and I guess I wanted to flag, albeit with a slightly unhelpful, sarcastic tone thus far, is that, unsurprisingly, the early stages of this survival-slash-crafting game focus on survival and crafting. Right. Um, and yeah, like it, it's kind of got this weird. It's it's not expressly multiplayer. It's kind of like server based, and so you can join other servers or you can like rent servers. But then you can also host. Uh, sort of not not you can host like uh, uh, servers for only people you know. But then when you they join your world, even if you're part of the same clan, you're not expressly working together. Like you kind of still have to complete objectives individually, and your inventory is not shared in any real way. So it is this sort of somewhat independent experience, and I think that's designed so people can kind of take characters and builds. And and when I mentioned builds, it probably gives you an idea of like where this is all heading uh, into other worlds and other servers and so on and so forth, and kind of uh, grow things out that way. Um, and I think the reason that makes sense is again because once you've kind of wrapped your head around the fact of like your mining and uh, for these 
uh, raw resources and you're using them to build more useful tools and tools that allow you to do the things you're already doing but faster um you're also like coming across some npcs and you're learning that you know the the ropes of a few new systems like there's a kind of a blood system where as a vampire you need to feed on blood and your kind of your pool of blood is constantly going down but there are different types of blood and different strengths of blood and different ways for you to use blood um, can you eat people can you eat npcs <laughs> yes um, every, you can feed on everything in the game apart from skeletons. I think if a thing's got blood, you can feed on it. So that goes for like deer and wolves all the way to human enemies to I'm sure there are other bigger baddie things that you can feed on. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like that. That was the those were the early stages of the game and learning the ropes about some of that stuff. But also, while this is all playing out, as you said, this is a Diablo style game with an isometric uh, perspective and Diablo style combat. And even from the word go, you have a couple of abilities that are kind of hotkeyed in a similar way to Diablo. And you can flick through and you start to see, okay, there are skill trees and there's different things going on here. And the way it kind of boils down, I feel like the way I describe it to myself is that it's like when you realize Terraria when the way that game differentiated itself from Minecraft was saying, okay, actually there are loads of bosses in this world and you're constantly trying to improve your character and your gear and your build, in this case, to take on the, those bosses. That is also going on in the background of V Rising, where there are a long list and a large amount of bosses, um, each of them that have like abilities and so on and so forth tied to them. And so you're constantly trying to improve yourself and your base and your gear and your you know your build i guess to be able to right. take on harder and harder challenges and the more you go in that direction the more diablo like and broad and customizable the combat system becomes and i think that's what's really getting its hooks into people does it have a similar loop to um, a diablo whereby you know you can increase the difficulty level and you can get better gear etc not really uh, the, the way the way it handles that is that uh, essentially you have a gear level that is determined by the equipment you're actively wearing so again as you're constantly as you're building better stuff and equipping better stuff your gear level is going up and that's going to enable you to be strengthened enough to take on harder and harder opponents so right. i've already come across in the open world enemies that have a skull next to their health bar rather than an, a level as i'd say hey if you try and fight this thing you'll probably die and so you run away from them and like you go off and do something else. It's just that, that's again, novel. That's really novel because Diablo three decided to do something where you didn't have that and you were just invincible in the game. Well, the, the, was really again, boring. this this isn't a, this isn't a Diablo game though. And no. I know you're just trying to slag off Diablo three <laughs> to piss me off. It's not going to work. I'm not. I'm not biting. This is this is a crafting survival game. This is a game where you're going to... Okay, cool. You're, when you're four hours into this game, you're going to have a chest that is labelled wood, and when you open that chest, you're going to have 17 stacks of 1,000 wood because you hit that many trees. It is one of those games. You, it's just also a game with a really interesting Diablo-like isometric perspective combat system with, again, skill trees and builds and a wide range of gear and a good enough uh, sort of like breadth and volume of content that in spite of the fact that this is a new game in early access, clearly it is getting its hooks into people. I, just need, I what, personally need to play more than three hours of it. I'll tell you what's quite funny is uh, you've described it and it makes me want to play it. <laughs> yeah, the more we've got away from the fact that it's lo it's not like Diablo, it's got Diablo combat elements, I'm like, okay, it sounds pretty good. Right. There's crafting. I'm like, yeah, this sounds... Can you build a um, like a uh, Dracula-style castle? Yes. Oh, man. So basically, the way, oh, the, way, the way it introduces the base building is that, because again, it's kind of got that isometric perspective, is you kind of 
Um, you buy you buy squares that become your like territory, and when something's your territory, you can build anything on it. Um, right. And in the early stages, when it's all driven by tutorials, you're basically just collecting wood and you're building these like basic wooden walls and putting everything down. As you progress through the game, you unlock the ability to either research more um, uh, bit things that can be built or just unlock more things that you can build. And I haven't built anything yet, but I've just got to the stage where I can put down like stone walls and a stone floor. And some of the architecture is very kind of uh, gothic in a sort of a vampire style way. And I believe there are have there have been references to the word castle. Um, I had, just haven't built one yet. And when, when I see like late game gameplay, I'd see people who have built these pretty grand uh, bases where like you're. It actually gets to the point where you're designed. You're meant to use walls to break things up into different rooms, and different rooms are meant to have different purposes. And actually, certain. Um, Certain things you might have to interact with, like there's a sawmill that turns logs into, that turns wood into planks, and planks can be used yep. for, th- um, but it's like, oh, if you put this in its own designated room, then it actually gets a buff. It works 25% faster. Oh, okay. So there is an idea where you're also being incentivized to kind of manage your space and manage where you're putting things. Um, and again, like, yeah, you're using the backdrop of this sort of somewhat traditional, um, uh, you know, Minecraft like, knock things down, gather resources, use them to turn them into other things and do things faster, while also like focusing, as I said, on yourself as a character, your character progression, build, gear, and so on and so forth, and ultimately taking on harder and harder bosses, getting more and more shit in return. Um really, yeah, really interesting game. Um So it's on did you say it's on Steam? It is on Steam. Um I again we got sent a code so I'm not hundred percent sure how much it costs. Um um but yeah I, I'd imagine it's also one that in spite of being in early access Again, you've got to be careful when you say stuff like this with an asterisk, of course. But based on the sales so far, it seems like it's going to be an obvious one for this uh, for the developers, Stumlock Studios, to kind of run with and continue developing and continue supporting. Um, it's already become one of those games where it feels like every time I like uh, open IGN or something like that, the top article will be like, here's everything I wish I knew when I started V-Rising. Like it's kind right. of got that word of mouth constantly more and more people are picking it up kind of thing okay. yeah hit hit 1.5 million sales two days ago and i wouldn't be surprised if it was two million before long 1999 us dollars there you go sounds pretty good so yeah there's that's uh that's v rising um and now i'm looking forward to hearing what you have been up to I'll tr- I'll try and keep it brief. So I've um I did play a new game. I played some Tribes of Midgard because uh, that was um available through PlayStation Plus, um and I downloaded that and had a blast. Funnily enough, Jamie, do you know what you do in some of that game? Mm-hmm. You chop down trees mm-hmm. and you uh, smash rocks. <laughs> you yeah. get rocks. Yeah. And you turn those rocks into planks. Okay. And you um you collect things. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Um, are there, are there so- any metals like a, like is there a copper or an iron or a uh, yes, there are iron. Oh, there is iron. iron that you okay. can collect as well. Interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, so I've only played, I think I've played like a couple of hours, but I sort of played enough to do the tutorial and sort of then play sort of an actual game. Um, but a yeah, cool concept. Like you start off, you have a uh, a little like Viking village that you um, get brought back to life and you get sent to as like a warrior. You start off like in your pants, you know, with nothing and you have to beat up a tree and then sort of get sticks and then you have to get like leather from animals and then you can make yourself some armor and etc etc and you build yourself up from there but the good thing about or uh, well, the thrust of um, 
uh, tribes of Midgard is that you end up sort of fighting these like frost giants or these huge like enemies that sort of come into your area and you get warned about and you've got a certain amount of time to take them out before they come and destroy your base um and i was so i was playing online with some other random people so it's like a mad mad dash sort of collect as much resources as possible level up your base uh create some like archer towers um build like better fortifications and sort of take out enemies that attack you like every night and then get to the point where you can take out um like a uh, I don't I don't think they call them Titans, but not even call them collectively. I can't remember. Um, but you've got to like take these guys out before they get to your base and destroy it because they're effectively trying to destroy this tree at the center of your base. And it's all about like protecting the tree and giving it resources um, okay. effectively for you to win the day. Um, but it's really cool. Um, I've been enjoying it. Like I said, I only played it for a couple of hours. I need to get more into it, uh, figure out the best ways to sort of level up and um, get gear ready and get ready to rock um does it, does it sound harsh if i say that when you based on that description that it sounds like a never-ending escort quest like the idea of constantly having to keep something alive kind of gives me an anxiety attack it's not so the, it's more like a place to dump resources so you've got this tree in the middle of your base we don't it's not like you're taking it anywhere you just occasionally might run back and go oh here's a bunch of souls that i've collected from all the enemies i've slain and the trees i've knocked down and these like giant that i dispatched um it's more like a way just to gauge how well you're doing versus how badly you're doing because as the enemies they attack your tree it loses souls you have to replenish it but um it's yeah i'd I'd, you need to watch some videos about it really i'm probably describing it really badly but it's got a um, good art style to it as well with similar sort of um, top-down isometric view um yeah but cool concept i've i've been i've been enjoying it a little bit um Outside of playing a little bit of uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, um, and I guess that's also, all I've been. Sorry. sorry, I said it also can fill the God of War Ragnarok shaped hole in your heart while you're waiting to fight frost giants uh, with your own bare hands. That yes, exactly does. It, it's the combat is not as good, but it does fill that hole, so uh, it's <laughs> not too bad. Um, I'll lightly touch on for the people who don't, um, who can't stand to hear it mentioned, and we already have this podcast already. But um, I've been watching, I've watched the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, which I, I didn't hear great things about after the first episode. Like some people were sort of saying it was not very good, but I've watched the first two and I thought it was, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be based on what some people were saying. Um, Interesting. It seems to be in a good place. Um, I was a bit surprised with where it went because I wasn't really expecting, I was, I, I don't know if I was expecting a bit more of a dark and broody thing and it's. It's already got um, Obi Wan gallivanting around the galaxy. Um, it's, which is kind of weird, but it makes it totally makes sense. I suddenly realised in the lore because there's a he goes after Le- uh, Princess Leia who gets kidnapped, um, and I was like, why has he right. left Tatooine? I thought he was looking after Luke. Then of course in the lore, uh, Leia, obviously in uh, Episode Four, A New Hope says Obi Wan Kenobi, you need to help me. You're my only, um, you're my only hope. So she obviously has a pre-existing relationship with him before A New Hope. So they're sort of filling in that gap, I think. They're saying this, oh, is, 10 years, okay. this is 10 years after episode three. So this is she's <laughs> Can I ask an old. episode four spoiler? Yeah, sure. Does Obi-Wan so- Kenobi... Yeah, I know, as dumb yeah. as that sounds. Is it, does Obi-Wan Kenobi get killed by Darth Vader before he's able to reconvene with Leia? Like, yes. do they share screen time? No. Okay, interesting. I've forgotten that fact, and that actually makes sense for this show. Right, yeah, no, no, they they don't reconvene. It's um, uh, I'm 
I think if I'm right, he gets killed right as she runs out of the doorway with Luke and yeah. Han to run onto the ship. And there's yeah, which is, the only thing that does make it a little bit weird is she doesn't react any more strongly to him being like cut down. Like Luke's the one who goes like no. Whereas you'd think yeah. that maybe if she had an existing relationship, she'd be well, because she was probably asking herself what I was asking myself when I first saw her at the age of like five or six. Why, why, why did he just disappear? Where's his body? He just disappeared. He <laughs> right. just turned into a like thin air. Like what happened? And even Darth Vader even like pokes around at his rope yeah, to see but, where he's gone. He's like, hang on, is he? Where, where is he? Where did you go? <laughs> um, but no, it's, 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 it's cool. <laughs> no. Um, no, I, I, I've, I've been enjoying it so far. It's, um, uh, it's got a lot of the similar like um, actors who come back. So like, uh, was it Senator Organa is the same guy from episode two and three? I guess he's in. Um, you know, uh, Luke's um, uncle guy, um, uh, Australian he's, he's actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's back in it. Um, and then the guy like Obi Wan Kenobi is obviously Obi Wan Kenobi. I can't. Remember no, what's his name? What, so bad. You and McGregor. You McGregor. I didn't McGregor. realize that was the name you couldn't recall. You McGregor. Um, cool. Yeah, it's no, it's decent. Just, I tell you what. One thing I realized, and I'll only mention this really briefly because I want other people to comment down below and tell me if, if they agree with this. I just finished the second season of The Mandalorian, and I couldn't figure out why that show was so weird. And I was like, this show is very strange, and I don't know why. I've enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it for a bit, then I did enjoy it, and then I didn't enjoy it, and then I did enjoy it. I've now finished season two, and my wife totally nailed it. And she said, you know why this is weird? Because it's written like a computer game. And I suddenly was like, oh shit, it actually is. Like it's, even the even like the fights and the way things work out, it's like, a, it's like someone's written a computer game. Right. And anyone else who's seen The Mandalorian, especially season two, do you think it's written like it could be a video game? Because I think that's why it seems like a bit of a strange one. Like you, got, you do escort missions, you get side quests. You get, like he keeps having to do something. He's like, I want to go there. You can go there, but only if you do this thing. Oh, okay. okay. And then he bumps into something, and there's a boss fight, and there's loads of like random enemies to take out, and it's just very yeah. It is. And there's like groups of stormtroopers who arrive just to be enemies, just to be fodder. And he just takes a few of them out, takes a few of them out, and then like a boss will appear, and it's yeah, weird. I know. I've now digress. That does Wars. that does sound like a video game to me. <laughs> that is how yeah. often how it's structured. It's- it's very video gamey, but um, no, that's me done. That's me done. I'm all, how, I'm... how many episodes are planned for Obi Wan? Do you know? I have no idea. So I've is seen it eight, ten, three are currently out, I believe. Oh, three are out. Okay, show. I thought. Or maybe it's more than that. I thought. It was... I thought it was two. No, no, but the that third shows one how much I, I know. know. The, I know the third one. There you go. Two, six. Six. Six See, that's not many. I mean, it, it, it appeals to someone like me, um, but it's not many. No, I'm, that's actually interesting. So I've, I'm, I'm, off, I'm two episodes in, so I'm already a third of the way through, and I'm going to be interested to see how they, um, how they sort of wrap up the story. It might actually feel too brief. Weird. I'm not going to read. Hmm. On, I read any spoilers. There was, okay. a, there was. Did you see there was some random like. I never know how much of this is just a few people getting blown out of proportion. But did you see there was some a big backlash to um, apparently there was some like racist shit going on with the main one of the main actresses? Yeah, I, I, I all I saw was that I heard that she had been receiving a lot of uh, abuse and a lot of it was racist and uh, blah 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 blah. And um, 
then I saw that Ewan McGregor filmed a video to say, hey, you know, we're all in support of this actress and she did a wonderful job and that if you're racist, then, you know, you're not a Star Wars fan and so on and so forth. Then that began the um, the classic sort of, like, really dumb rhetoric back and forth of, like, oh, so I guess if I just dislike this character or think she's poorly written, then I'm a racist now, right? Just And it's like, I love Mace Windu. And all that kind of stuff. It's like <laughs> I, I couldn't get either way. Like you probably are a bit racist and just It was fuck off. I always think with those things, like it's it's I'm sure there's a, a minority of people that may sort of seem to uh amplify it because I guess if you get a few of those messages, it's gonna seem like really bad. Like you you always the bad ones always seem to stand out. I would hope that like obviously that she gets because she yeah, she's fine. She's 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 a lot oh yeah. She, she's perfectly fine in the show. The the weird thing is there are some really annoying characters and she's not one of them. And that's one yes. thing I thought was quite quite funny. There's this well annoying like uh, head inquisitor guy who's just the most dumbest annoying character in it. Who's not in it for very long, apparently. But yeah, a bit random. Yeah. I, I, that's the kind of the thing that irks me about it in Star Wars in general. It's just that like, and again, Star Wars fans can disagree with this. A lot of them probably will. But as someone who's not a huge fan of Star Wars and kind of operates on the outside looking in, if you were to be consistent with your disdain for either poorly written characters or actors who gave poor performances, you would dislike the overwhelming majority of characters from, yes. uh, what, depending on who you are, six of the nine movies? Oh, like, some of it is such hot trash. It's, it's ridiculous. And so the idea that, you know, this, this a new character... But the, again, I, I feel a weird wading into it because I. Uh, oh, like, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know cause just because I haven't seen the show and like, I, I I know some people are super sensitive about this stuff. But I was like, like again, like going back to it, like the, the build up to Obi Wan Kenobi was almost defined by the, you know, the rapturous welcome and return that Hayden Christensen was given. And for me, like the most defining feature about Hayden Christensen's performances in uh, episodes two and three and. Or perhaps uh, slightly contributed to as well by the lines that Hayden Christensen got given for episodes two and three were how disastrously bad they were. Oh, and so, so bad. and so the idea that so is he is he back? This... Is he back for Obi Wan? Yeah, Kenobi? yeah, he's been everywhere. He's been in every promotional thing. Like he's done every not... interview. I did not watch any of the promotional stuff for Obi Wan Kenobi at all. Oh, I tried. Mate, to... He's been everywhere. I was, tried to, yeah. Sorry, I tried to like not see any of it because I was kind of like, oh, you know, let me just um, let me just go into it cold. But I even actually, what's funny is the first time you see a bit of Darth Vader, I did say, um, oh, it would actually be wicked if he comes. I, I thought it would be wicked if Hayden Christensen comes back purely because I feel so sorry for how you know Hillary D was in his performance and in the lines that he had. Yeah. And I thought it might be nice if he gets a. Um, but a second shot, a second, a second go. But in that, in that, for me, like you've entirely encapsulated like the weird sort of contradictory nature of how some of these Star Wars fans seem to be operating, where there was this outpouring of goodwill for Hayden Christensen, this idea that they wanted a very average, if not bad, actor to be given another shot, like because, like you said, he got pilloried the first time around, and at the same time, like to let's take race out of it, let's say she's not a black woman, like to be attacking and bullying and sending death threats to another Some, act, yeah. to another character, and let's let's also be honest, the last time this happened, the last time this happened significantly to a an an, an actor that was portraying a new character in a Star Wars. Uh, project whether it was a tv show or a movie it was also a woman and they were also not white like so i don't who, know there's who's who's kelly that? tran 
I don't even know who that is. I don't. I don't know the character's name, but she's the she's the Asian actress who's uh, in the Last Jedi and um, Rise of Skywalker. Ah, uh, oh, okay. All oh, right, okay. I just, I tell you what's weird about that. I actually quite like the new th- trilogy, the the newest trilogy, the Rise of Skywalker ones. I thought they were. I didn't think they were too bad, but some people absolutely hated them. But then I don't understand how you can like the original trilogy and then not like the final trilogy because those were bad, like so bad. Anyway, yeah. let, I, people get annoyed when we talk about Star Wars and this. I've ruined it because yeah. I keep talking we, about Star it's, Wars. It's the most, worst, worst of both worlds because we, not only have we continued to talk about Star Wars, we've also now <laughs> encapsulated race and gender and <laughs> probably politics in some way, shape or form. So No, we haven't. We're quickly moving on. So We're, we're not, quickly we're not moving about Star on. Wars anymore. Hey, Jonesy, do you know what else people are really crazy about for some reason? Actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract that for some reason. I What's know exactly that? why. It's Bioware and Bioware-related products. Um, and although Bioware have kind of missed the mark on a few occasions in recent memory with games such as Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda that, depending on who you ask, were either some of the worst games of all time or ran the risk of completely ruining some of the best series of all time, respectively, um, there is still a lot of support and love out there for Bioware and a lot of hope, and I can get behind this message, that Bioware will one day return to form and return to making the kind of classic RPGs that we know they are capable of. And one of the games that is leading the charge on that front is what we expect to see from them next, Jonesy, and that is the artist formerly known as Dragon Age 4. Yes, because it's now got a name. It does. And that name, for anyone that missed it, is Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which I presume is a really cool reference to something that's really cool within the Dragon Age world, but as someone who played like eight hours of Dragon Age Inquisition and felt like I'd had a good enough time to call it a day, I don't know what a Dreadwolf is. Um, <laughs> Me so, either. Yeah. I never played a Dragon Age game, so there you go. Yeah. Chris, um, Chris is probably listening to this, like pulling his hair out, going like, oh, mate! See, I, yeah, I, no, see, I don't think Chris is a Dragon Age guy, but he is probably also like unhappy. Maybe not unhappy. He wants us maybe to give it more of a fair shake. I've got to be honest. I do have a dog in this fight, but and some Dragon Age fans are going to have to cover their ears. The only reason I want Dragon Age Red Wolf to be good is because it allows me to justifiably raise my expectations for the return of Mass Effect. Like, I want them to be, <laughs> with all due respect to Dragon Age, I want this to be the game where they're clearly back on the right track, and I want Mass Effect to be where it peaks. <laughs> That's, um, Fair enough. Yes, so... Um, it would be nice to get uh, Mass Effect back, like, to form again. Oh, mate, it would be... The, that's the dream of all dreams. And, like, would you play a good Dragon Age game if Dragon Age Dreadwolf came out and 93 no. on Meta... Okay. Wow. That was pretty... <laughs> uh, not, no, pretty I, I, you know, like, when you just... It's, 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 it's been too long, you're too far off, and you're like, I'm not going to get into a new series now, and they've been out... You know, there's a there's a group of fans who want to get into that, and I'm not one of them. So, you know, let's... Hey, hey maybe that... Maybe I would. I may, I'd never say never. Never say never, but I don't. You, know what, I, I, you redeemed it at the end there. I, get rid of the <laughs> I doubt it, and you'll be completely fine. Um, we will have to wait a little bit longer, though, before we find out whether or not Jonesy will go back on his word or his promise on that, because they confirmed the game wouldn't be released this year, but they are, quote, growing closer to that next adventure, and they will be talking about the, more, the game more later this year. I wonder if that means that maybe we see it again, maybe get another trailer again. It could be right at the tail end of the year. It could be fucking the Game Awards like they first announced it to begin with. And then maybe 2023 is the year where we start to get a more proper rollout of information and a gameplay reveal and so on and so forth. All speculation at the moment, but we'll be seeing sooner rather than later. 
But Jonesy, the other reason I brought this up is because uh, with onlookers and people who like to get involved in video game discussions uh, on social media, this did kind of raise a little interesting discussion because whilst Bioware have officially confirmed Dragon Age's name as Dragon Age Dreadwolf, the news that that was the uh, planned name did leak a handful of hours before Bioware were able to confirm it themselves, which drew out a tweet from someone called Marcel Hatam, who is a brand manager over at Ubisoft. Um, and he said, Remember the days when developers were occasionally able to reveal what they had been working on to their community on their own terms, without all being spoiled by the same few clout-chasing writers and insiders promoting their podcast? Those, were, those days were great. Hashtag Dragon Age. Um, a pretty significant clapback at something that we've commented in the, on in the past, which is the rise of these so-called clout-chasing insiders and journalists who are desperate to get the scoops before the companies can have it themselves. Do you think this was a, an appropriate clapback from someone within the industry? Or, or are these insiders just doing their jobs? I'm split. I am split because I completely agree that the, uh, the stuff getting leaked before the companies want to announce it um when it when the fact that they can't even have anything these days the fact everything seems to be leaked must be incredibly frustrating especially if you if you plan like you know a big reveal or um uh you're look, really looking forward to like a showcase or a state of play or whatever and you really want to sort of um give the fans something cool to look at you don't really want it to leak in that sense it's not really the um journalist's fault or the insider's fault if they get given information by people that are under an embargo or they're under NDAs or something. Like, if they're given information, then I guess they feel like it, that it's part of their job and whatever to put it out there. Yes. It's, it's funny because, do you know what? If someone gave us information on this show and they said, hey, no one knows about this. It's super secret. It's coming out. It's going to be on the state of play that you're going to be covering like next week. Um, but I've got a release date for uh, God, of War, God of War Ragnarok. And they're going to announce next week. Are you? What, do you want to put it in the show? Like, don't tell me. You can just do it. I'd oh, I'd put it in the show. Yeah, because it's not on me. Like, it's not on me to keep it a secret. I do think that some of the bigger guys who um, they constantly do these releases. I think that maybe those guys don't need it in the same way. Maybe then maybe that's not fair. Maybe they do. Um, but like, occasionally they could do a leak or they could do a release. But sometimes, I mean, yeah, give the company a chance yeah. to do the full uh, reveal. I will say, I don't know if this is one of the people you were kind of sort of indirectly referencing, but Jeff Grubb uh, n decided not to announce the name of Dragon Age uh, Dreadwolf before Bioware did it. I like that. I like that. I like that Grubby's gone and done that. He's been non-Grubby by um, keeping it to himself. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, do you know what might be worse is um, uh, the almost like, you guys aren't going to believe this amazing news I've got, like the, the, where they don't really say anything. Yes. Like, Jason Schreier loves doing that. Guys, you just wait until you see the next explosive thing I'm going to be released. Like, maybe that is a little bit even worse than... But then, no, but it's not, I guess. It's just building up hype. And it's all, like you said, as you It's related, all for clout. It's all yeah. clout. But, like, like you, when you pose the question of what we would do for this podcast, like, yeah, these are all people who have the opportunity to benefit from a piece of news that, like, doesn't really harm people that much. And The scummy also... people are the leakers, right? I suppose that's where I've come down. Right, yeah, I, like, I've changed my mind. The scummy people are the leakers. At the end of somewhere, the someone in the chain has broken an NDA to let that information, you know, escape from within the walls it was meant to be maintained by or contained by. I, I guess. Think, yeah, I think it has yeah. to be right. Those and are the people why... that were supposed to keep it a secret and who didn't. Yeah. 
But uh, as you said, I do like to. I do like the people who kind of try and keep it somewhat sensible when it comes to okay. Here's all the information I've get, got. Here's all the sources I've got. Here's everything I could leak, and here's actually what I'm going to leak or how I'm going to leak it. Like there was a thing where um, uh, J- Jeff Grubb, uh, to mention him again, uh, revealed that um, well sh- showed the world uh, that he knew that the the Star Wars game was called Jedi uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It was something ridiculous, like three or four months ago, um, right. by pointing to. Uh, an article that he'd written way back at the time where he'd like left clues to it being called that. Um, but he was <laughs> oh, like, Oh, well, so yeah. he could call back and say, Yeah, so he's like, Oh, I this is when know. I knew, and this was when I started teasing it being called Survivor, but I didn't want to just come out and say, Oh, this is what the game's called. That's funny because you know, then in future, people are going to pour over everything he does trying to look for clues the next time a game yeah. comes out. For it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It'll be like Zodiac shit. Like every journalist <laughs> will have to think twice about the, the, the first letter of every sentence. Um, yeah from this point yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. So funny. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're, we're largely in agreement on that. But it's, it's funny because I've signed NDAs. I've I've had stuff where I wasn't allowed to talk about games that I knew that, you know, or had played. And we've always honoured everything like that. And I've yep. always felt like it's something that, you know, you, you trade access for um, the fact that you're not going to say something. And I do think people, at the end of the day, the ones who are being a little bit scummy, if anyone, has got to surely be the... Um, the leakers, I suppose, the people who who say they're not going to tell people and then they do. But it's yeah. the, the, the sieve has so many holes these days. It's not oh. a handful of journos. It's streamers and YouTubers and all sorts of people up and down. Who, it's you know. it's hundreds, if not thousands, of people before it even gets to the streamers and YouTubers. Like that's the thing. Right, like, right, yeah. Like people love to think of game development as a thing of like here's 100 programmers sat in a room working on a thing. It's like <laughs> no, these companies have hundreds of employees in hundreds of different departments and. Lot and every single department will have some reason to be privy to that kind of information, and like not everyone is there who there is an employee who's been there for ten years who wants to protect it. Someone is going to be there's going to be interns, there's going to be you know people who don't pass their probation that were there for three months and leave, and like in that three months they've picked up the next five years worth of secrets. Like man, HR are the worst. We're recruiting for this position on this game. You're like you've just given it away. Yeah, well, that's the the hot, the worst new trend in gaming. Calling it <laughs> um, speaking of bad trends in gaming, Jonesy, um, there is sometimes an idea that's held in some corners of the games industry that um, bigger is better. And when you're looking at perhaps slightly more linear game design and applying the bigger is better logic to it, some believe that the only logical way to go is to embrace the idea of an open world and one such video game mascot, a legend of the games industry that is doing just that at the moment. With its with their his up, I keep saying his upcoming release because he feels like such a person. Um, <laughs> due out in holiday of this year is our old friend Sonic the Hedgehog, who um, is doing uh, is going on his open world adventure in Sonic Frontiers, um, which got a seven minute gameplay video this week, courtesy of IGN, who have got it as their IGN first for June. Um, we watched this seven-minute gameplay video, Jonesy, you and I both, and Chris as well. Um, the three of us chatted about it on WhatsApp. It's fair to say that we had some thoughts. It was trash, wasn't it? <laughs> it really looks ropey. I feel so bad. Like, Do I feel bad? I kind of feel bad, but it looks really ropey. It's, so when they first revealed uh, the the kind of world that it was going to be in, and we were saying, like, wow, it's gonna be looks like it's going to be open world, the world it was in looked 
like they were just trying to recreate the world from the beginning of the Sonic movie. Which is fair. Like, I understand why they would want to do something like that. You know, they wanted to have a big open island um, with huge, like, you know, rings for him to run around and bridges to run across. Um, if it had been like that, I think I would have thought it was pretty cool. But it looks like they've they've made this overly photorealistic, like, lush world with, you know, very tall pillars and, built and like, uh, rock faces and, th- and things. And then they've just dumped an old... So craply made sonic animation onto it that doesn't seem to fit in the world very well and then they've just sort of like sneezed out a bunch of old assets from a sonic game that maybe was never released where you can bounce on certain things and and slide up certain things and run up ramps and they just don't seem to fit the world for me at all it was like a, it was a horrible mishmash of yeah. different styles and things that just didn't really work i i didn't see any gameplay i just saw like a boring world with some shit yep. to do that didn't seem very fun. Yes. The aimlessness that you kind of referenced there, I, I was saying to, to you and Chris yesterday, it kind of, for me, sat between two different ideas, and neither of them are particularly that good. But this, it was kind of like on a scale where if you gave them the most benefit of the doubt, it looked like a team that had... Uh, and you and I have some thoughts about this that might differ, but had looked at trailers and gameplay for uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and assumed that basically taking your character, your protagonist, and dropping him in a big, sparse, almost empty open world filled with lush greenery was enough to create a video game, which is not. Um, and that's completely missing the point of Breath of the Wild. And on the bad scale of things, this is kind of leaning into what you were just saying, it looked like one of those... Uh, one-man team Unreal Engine 5 demos where you know how someone has taken the city from the the Matrix um, that the Epic unreleased for free and put a really average Spider-Man or Superman model in there <laughs> and yeah. all of a sudden it gets 15 million views. Someone's done that for Sonic. It's like, well, if I take an Unreal Engine 5 demo and I drop Sonic in there and he looks half decent and his animations somewhat register as being Sonic-like, then we're fine. And like the way that the environment or lack thereof was constructed and designed within that open world where you've just got sonic looking off into the distance and rather than seeing you know the the vistas and the forests and the lushness of something like breath of the wild you've just got like oh there's this weird like like mess of lines that are just floating in the air because son- they're all like rails that sonic like you remember reminded me of you no know, remember lion rider the browser game where you could draw lines and this weird guy in a cart would land on them and ride them it's no. like it's like the finished project of someone who'd been playing Line Ride of half an hour and they just copied and pasted that into the air. And it's like this weird mess of squiggles next to a tower that the person controlling the demo kind of starts to climb and then gets to the top and is like, well, I'm just going to jump off now. Yes. And I, I it was, was like, what is, what, is, what, is, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? It was, it was so weird. Like, I don't. I, I don't. Hey, I know sometimes you know. I say, oh, it's just it's like <laughs> simple to me. I've never. I'd have Compound simplicity, to Jonesy. Come on, set. No, no. I'm trying to think. Like, it seems like the most basic elements of gameplay they just ignored, and all they've tried to do, like you said, is create an Unreal Engine five what open world that looks lush, and then say, if we just put Sonic in it, it'll be fun because people like to run fast. And then they've realised, oh this is really boring because all you're doing is running around in an open world. What should we do? Oh, let's just stick some crap in that people can jump on and slide slide along. And then they've then they've gone back and gone, oh, well, now we need to try and put some gameplay elements in. Have him run up a side of a pillar? Yeah, all right. And it, it just seemed weird. Like, it didn't seem... Utterly the bizarre. Only, 
I'm really hoping that that was a um like an empty world where all the gameplay elements were taken out and they just were trying to showcase maybe they shouldn't have but they were trying to showcase the type of thing you're going to be the world will be like in the game like how the opens the openness and <sighs> actually when you play it it's going to feel more like it makes sense because at the moment See, like you I don't think it made sense no, I don't. I, maybe I'm giving Sega too much of the benefit of the doubt or not enough, but I don't even know. But, like, why would you come out in June for a game that's due out on holiday and have your big gameplay reveal be that and then not specify that, like, oh, this is more of a frame of reference to the for the kind of thing? Like, I think this is the game. And, but then it, that's just. In case, what do you do? I, it's but what completely is the game, inexplicable. Man? Like, the, the, the objective wasn't uh, apparent. Um, and 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 make no mistake. Even if there were a more apparent objective, and even if Sonic had climbed that tower and then done this Breath of the Wild style thing where he'd got to the top and then he'd opened up his like got out his Sonic binoculars, the Sonic binoculars, the by Sonic killers, um, and then spotted Sonic-culars. something in the distance. Exactly. Um, we should they hire us, Sega. Okay, we're here. We're available. Um, and then he'd spotted like, oh, there's a puzzle I can go and solve, and that is kind of what happened. And it's like you can go and solve that puzzle, and maybe he'd have got something in return, and we, like it'd have all made more sense as to how it was contributing to the wider game. But like, there wasn't enough um, of a sort of a breadcrumb trail. There wasn't enough connective tissue for even just within the seven minutes to see how this was all leaning into or adding towards a mo- more cohesive and whole product that might be on store shelves in five months' time. Um, and yeah, what you're left with, and, and, and fundamentally, again, even if that was not the case, even if that stuff had been more accounted for, and this did look more cohesive, and it was easier to tell what this was a seven-minute excerpt of was of from, and what we might be doing in that finished game, it still looks like something I don't want to play. It still looks like a slightly awkward, like the what again. I've been saying this since the dawn of time. The worst thing about Sonic is that he's at his be- he's so good at his best when he's going fast that he's that everyone overlooks how bad it is to control when he's at his worst, which is when he's not moving. And this game had the exact same problem where even Sonic's kind of walking animation didn't look right. It was like he was moonwalking, like gliding on the surface, because Sonic isn't a character who's meant to just be like Sonic can't platform in the way Mario can. And so when you've no. got this completely vertical tower, which is what the first thing he tries to scale, they have to do all this dumb shit like a, a you know a, a wall that Sonic can climb, but then at one point he starts running up it, rails that go up the side, those stupid bounce pads, and like none of it feels like anything like, like that I want to do. And the other thing that has never been fixed in any Sonic game ever, to my knowledge, is combat. Like what do you do? For, like Sonic is a, a guy who jumps in the air and then like bounces at people, and then that's it. Like you can't do that for. I, I, yeah, I, I just it, the mind truly boggles. Um, it, I, don't get it. I think they have a Sonic has a similar problem to like Superman, which is when you've got that when when your main and you, as you referenced, when you've got that much power, like it's so hard to say um, to then limit the character to limit um, what you can do. And if his thing is that he can go fast, how do you represent that in a video game? Because you can't actually have him run fast. You know, you've got limitations of systems, you've got limitations of whatever. Imagine how big the world has to be just to, you know, have it so that your character can run that fast. And it just seems like they made the worst choices. They've they've just tried to go with that. It would have made more sense to me to have done something which they did in the Sonic movie, which is to have like um, everyone else goes slow, almost like Max Payne style. You can still move around at normal speed and everyone's in slow motion. Like that sort of thing would make more sense to me rather than going, do you know what? We're going to have a slightly crappy animation and you're just going to be able to have a little like almost like sonic boom every time he runs and he wants to get an extra boost and then he's running through trees 
And it, I don't know, there was just no gameplay. It looked really boring. The controls looked jank. It looked like it looked like at one point that the whoever was controlling it was just hitting a button to sort of like do spin ball jumps into a, these little balloons that were dotted around the level to get around. And you're like, are you just doing that because the controls are so bad that you can't actually just have proper platforming? Which is obviously dire right. if you're saying that that's the main element of your game. Exactly. Like a platform game. Like, let's not forget Sonic came out at a time when they were trying to show off a system and say, hey, we've got a, was it 128-bit system compared to, or, no, or a 64-bit system? No, before of course it's what thirty-two bit system. They were showing off their thirty-two bit system versus Nintendo's sixteen bit system. So the whole point of going fast and the graphics, like look how good it is. Times have changed. Mario looks good. You don't just need to try and keep doing the same old shit. It's not going to work. You have to actually make a decent game, and that's what they haven't done. Um, but you know, yeah. The uh, the ironic thing to me, like you mentioned, Mario, there is the last time we saw a three D Mario in a technically new adventure. It was uh, the Bowser's Fury edition to right. Super Mario 3D World, um, the Wii U port. And it was, again, like funnily enough, a, an inkling as to what Nintendo might decide to do if Mario had to kind of embrace open world sort of like ideas a bit more. And it had it did it by having this larger area where Mario would arrive in certain places and in, it would almost be like more linear finite mario levels that were taking place within an open world and that would right. kind of make more sense for sonic if they'd managed to be able to do something like that um but it doesn't look like that's what they got it lo- looks like they've tried to throw the kitchen sink at it with those breath of the wild comparisons and it hasn't worked for me i think ironically and i think you're right they the one thing they do need to do is limit the space sonic has because they need to nullify his speed to make the game have a point because otherwise you can just mm. run it for over 100,000 miles an hour and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but that's the one thing they haven't done. They've tried to go the other way, um, yeah. which I, I don't know how that turns into a game. I mean, I, and like I said, unless that this is just a, they've selected a super bad thing to show off and actually I just don't, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that. I just like... Me either, because why would you do it? No, no, no one would. No one would. No one would. Like no we're talking, would. I didn't mention it, but we're talking about a game here that Sonic Team Head Takashi Izuki said uh, he'd like to have the same lasting impact as Sonic Adventure, um, and to be the building block for, uh, or to create the building blocks for future Sonic titles. Um, and I, I just can't see either of those two things happening. Um, so yeah, mad. Yeah, no. Um, one last thing, Jonesy, before we move on to um, uh, the state of play, which is crazily enough now happening as we speak. <laughs> um, so, hey, no spoilers. Keep your eyes off your phone. I'll be doing the same. I did just <laughs> want to mention that um, a game that, weirdly enough, will actually be giving Sonic Frontiers a run for its money and probably end up creating a better open world than Sonic Frontiers when it also launches at the end of this year on November 18th, 2022, are the brand new Pokemon games. I'm talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. They got a new trailer and that November release date today. We got our eyes on two new legendaries. And I guess the um, the big new feature that's being touted um, that is new to the Pokemon world uh, is that there will be four-player co-op and four players can simultaneously explore an open world uh, completely freely as they look to kind of build on some of the open world trappings that they established earlier this year with Pokemon Legends Arceus, albeit with a slightly more traditional structure. Am I back, Jonesy? Oh, you're back. Sorry, yeah, you're back. See, here's the podcasting magic. I never stop talking. I could hear 
I was trying to go with it, but I just couldn't make out anything you were saying. So sorry. Oh, good. Well, basically, I just said everything that's already in the document, and because oh, okay, I never right. stopped talking, it meant that there was no weird gap there. In spite of the fact that for the folks wondering at home, Jonesy couldn't hear me for like the last thirty seconds. Professionalism, utter professionalism. Um, yes, yes, a new Pokemon game. It looks very Pokemon. It it looks. I, I think. Um, from what I only saw the bit of the trailer, I guess it looks like it's gone back to where people want it to be after Arceus because yeah. people were not too keen on on um, the direction that game went. Although I heard a lot of good things about it, and a lot of people enjoyed that game. Um, I all my little Pokemon fans that I live with haven't played any Arceus, so I wonder if they're going to go back um, to Pokemon for Scarlet and Violet. Hey, here's the question, though, Jonesy. Do you get another Switch in the Jones household and a second copy of the game so that the kids can play uh, co-op and explore the open world together? Because that is that is the new headline, new feature for this game. I would I would say no, but it's now my eldest and my wife who like to play Pokemon, so I can imagine them oh, playing wow. together. In which case, she might buy a Switch so that she can do that. Are but, you a um, one Switch household at the moment? We are a one switch. Okay. Out. Yes. But the kids play more PlayStation 5, to be honest, which is really impressive given that my three year old plays PlayStation 5 with a PlayStation <laughs> 5 controller. That is tough. So fair play to them. That is pretty impressive. All right. Well, uh, hey, if, if, if the Jones household needs a co op partner when uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet release later this year, they can call on me because after missing out on Arceus and not really truly getting my uh, teeth into a Pokemon open world, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, and it's also nice to get another game that's confirmed for November because the rest of the year was looking a little bit dry although um, I'd imagine the many live streams and events and conferences that flesh out the release calendar for the rest of the year are going to be what's taking place in the next couple of months first and foremost the one that's happening right now is the PlayStation State of Play it would have happened previously for you as you're listening to this but it is upon us now as we talk um, to you and what we are going to do uh, completely unprecedented but actually we're going to use the power of editing um to and a little bit of trickery and what you'll find is that when i click my fingers we will be back in the exact same positions we were before i clicked except this time again through the power of editing we have now seen the state of play live stream for june 2nd and jonesy i think it's fair to say Considering we had to go in with somewhat measured expectations, we knew that there would be a focus on third-party titles, we knew there'd be a focus on PlayStation VR 2, and we knew that it would come in at less than 30 minutes. Considering all those caveats were outlined beforehand, I feel like this was a pretty solid, well-rounded, nice little state of play. No, I did as well. Um, There were some very nice trailers, some very good-looking games. Um, I completely forgot that it was third party and VR focused. I thought there was going to be some first party <laughs> stuff in there, but you reminded me just before, so my expectations um, weren't. Uh, I wasn't let down too much, but yes. no, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a good state of play. Um, some cool stuff to be seen. Some cool Absolutely, games. I think there are going to be some people out there who maybe consider it not quite befitting of sort of the launch of Summer Game Fest or the first of the big June live streams. I totally get that, but I also think that when you break down what some of the games that were being shown actually are and their significance within the industry, and the fact that Sony obviously still has uh, working relationships with a lot of partners, especially Eastern partners, a huge, huge emphasis on this stream on Capcom. Um, then all of a sudden, I. Th- 
think the games that were shown um, start to make sense. Although one thing that did immediately take me by surprise and completely blew up my expectations of what could be shown here was a game that, hey, we all knew it existed, one of the worst kept secrets out there, but I didn't think we'd say it anytime soon, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Got a new trailer. We saw the game running on Resident. E we saw the game running. Excuse me, on PlayStation Five. We got a release date of the twenty fourth of March, twenty twenty three, and the promise of some PlayStation VR two content being in development. I mean, I'll be honest, Jody. Yeah, I, I just didn't. I didn't think this would happen this soon. I, I was a naysayer on the Resi Four situation. It does seem like uh, that it's come come along quite quickly. So no, that's that's decent, and they've done a smashing job by by the looks of the trailer of the uh, the remake. Um, not a not a, a Resident Evil game that I played originally, so um, um, looking forward to when this one comes out. I really enjoyed the remake of uh, Resident Evil One. I, ha I haven't played two yet, so um, yeah, I'm I'm all about some more Resident Evil remake. I'm sure as yeah. hell not going to play any of the more recent Resident Evils yet because they are terrifying. <laughs> yes, and they actually got more terrifying as a result of the state of play because uh, the PSVR two kind of run continued with confirmation that Resident Evil Village will be arriving in PlayStation VR two. Jonesy and I, as we mentioned, we recorded a piece of Patreon content where we reacted to the state of play live, and I think the first thing we realised when this was announced was that this is basically so horny uh, men and children, and not men, children. <laughs> horny, horny, <laughs> horny. Men, children. I was going to say men, women, and children, and I was like, no, you can't say children. And then I said, horny horny people, horny people. Um, of all stripes, we'll be looking um, down Lady Dimitrescu's top. Exactly. And over. Basically just peering over. And, and looking up her skirt. Yeah, exactly. And like, Oh, no, she's eight feet tall, so you won't even be able to. You'd have to jump. You'd have to get on a chair. There's going to be a great screenshot out there of like the Amazon um, like sales charts. Uh, when this game launches, it's going to be number one bestseller PSVR two headset, number two bestseller Resident Evil Village, number three bestseller a Step Ladder. Yes. Although no, actually, what were you talking about? You won't need a step ladder because it would just be people laying on the floor just trying to get oh, underneath yeah. her, trying feet. to get stepped on, and like, trying to get stepped on. one star reviews. Oh, she's. I didn't feel anything when she stepped on me. Um, I can see. Oh, there'll be there'll be people getting their um, other halves to stand on them while they lay on the floor with a headset so they can get yeah. the full immersive experience. And speaking of immersive experiences, I guess, uh, to my memory at least, it was our first game, uh, first look at seeing a game running in real time on PlayStation VR 2. Um, and a nice one as well, because obviously we have the frame of reference of what Village looks like running on a PlayStation 5, for example. And I thought it looked pretty good. I, like, it the game, did, like, yes. You mentioned at the time, like, we need to see what it's like with the headset on, screen door effect, you know, so on and so forth. But pretty solid first impression. It was interesting because um, next up, we obviously got a look at uh, Saints and Sinners um, Redemption. Um, and that looked more in keeping with what you're used to, I think, with more of like a VR experience, like some simplified textures, and a bit more, you know, straightforward and wasn't quite um, yeah. pushing the boat out. But it was interesting to see those two things side by side because I think Village, the portal does look fantastic. And I think it will look fantastic in, in um, VR as well. Like we played some of uh, um, Resident Evil 7 in VR. Um, on the on the um first headset and that looked very very good like it wasn't quite uh some of the things weren't quite up to up to um snuff when you consider it against the actual game playing on a monitor but i think this will sort of blow everyone away yeah very excited about some of the things that are coming to the PSVR team. Yeah, because up next we got a quick look at uh, No Man's Sky, which obviously you know has continued to come on leaps and bounds every single few months. It feels like there's another update to talk about. Obviously, seeing that in VR will be pretty cool. And also, we did see, as they confirmed ahead of the stream, more of uh, 
Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is the new Horizon PSVR 2 game from Gorilla and Fire Sprite. Um, and again, like I, I think when you consider all four PSVR titles we looked at, we kind of ran the gamut for what you'd expect from more photorealistic uh, graphics to, as you mentioned, with Saints and Sinners, the slightly more traditional VR, actually, let's not go for the photorealism thing because this doesn't necessarily work. Um, we had you know, fully animated arms. We also had floating hands. Um, we kind of we had a bit of everything um what we I'm, someone, I'm not, sorry go on i was going to say you are you were are and were a place a vr early adopter you're one of the guys that's kind of been willing to champion this tech when it's done right how are you feeling about your the, the first kind of boatload of psvr2 teasers i um it's interesting i mean the angle that i wouldn't necessarily have wanted to go personally would be sort of like the zombie game route like walking dead um like village um even like resident evil 4 remake purely because i think those games um it's more about the gameplay it's more about sort of like the experience and i think the strength of vr especially playstation vr in the past Mm -hmm. has been um the visuals and so some of the um more like colorful simplistic animations um especially like playstation trying i can't even think what it was called but the um Sort of some of those more like platformy games that they released for the PlayStation VR One really showcased the, very nicely how good the PlayStation VR can be. I mm-hmm. would like to have seen maybe some more of that kind of thing rather than these super complex games, um, just to kind of mix it up. But I, for one, think um, uh, No Man's Sky I think will look phenomenal in VR. I think flying through the atmosphere of a planet and you know landing on a ship and totally. seeing your you know the the, um, the cockpit closed down around you is going to look incredible. Because one another thing about no Man's Sky is it does have a more simplistic art style than something maybe like Star Citizen or something like that. And yes. those work so much better in VR. Those textures just look better because you don't get the jaggy edges and the jank that you do get with a more like photorealism. Obviously, I don't know how good the VR2 headset is in comparison because I've never used one. Um, but No Man's Sky is going to be great. Also, Horizon, I think just sitting, sitting on the floor in Horizon and just looking at, from like the top of a cliff and just looking at that world in vr and being able to like turn around and appreciate it and see like dinosaurs flying yeah, around uh, yeah. or whatever they are that i think that looks like normal. it, it so, feels yeah, like it'd be interesting to see how cohesive call of the mountain ends up being when all those kind of components that we saw in the trailer come together but yeah it did mm. kind of look like okay here's an extended period of time being sat in a boat or a canoe and here's an extended period of time like in a sort of a slightly smaller combat arena focused on archery and here's some traversal with like the climb style elements and using the kind of the the rock the rock climber hook things and i don't even know what they're called but it'd be interesting to see how that all flows because one of the things you get from a resident evil village style experience in playstation vr2 and this is exactly what seven did for the psvr is whether or not you're interested in it it communicates to people like oh this isn't a vr game this isn't like in in, in inverted commas you know what i mean this isn't an experience yes this is a yeah, fucking video game like that whole thing is there and while no one wants to spend 10 hours in a headset play a game from start to finish you theoretically can it's the whole experience and it'd be interesting to see if games that were still created exclusively for VR, like Call of the Mountain, can still start to emulate the, oh, actually, this feels like a whole fully-fledged game, um, as opposed to being a kind of the experience or the shortened or simplified kind of experiences that I think plagued a lot of the early VR support and um, gave people the impression that VR software couldn't be designed on the same scale as uh, non-VR software, which I hope they kind of put to put to rest. I, I I don't know because I think the the problem 
the problem they have with the VR thing isn't necessarily the look, it's it's the traversal, how you move around the game world. And I still think that's an issue that they haven't fixed. And so I think that's you're always going to butt up against that, which is yeah. why you saw in the Call of the Mountain um, the canoe six section, then you saw the like climbing a rock section because they're trying to do anything except have you walking around because you can't walk around. Um, totally. And there's and those the visual stuff can only go so far. And then you, it's that strange disconnect as well of like you're sitting on a sofa pulling yourself up a cliff face. And I'm with you completely. Like the it's the connection between those different elements to see how that game yeah. actually feels like. And you said whether or not it's an experience, whether or not it's a game. Um, but uh, yeah, it remains to be seen until we yeah. get to Ready Player One days of suits and couches. And <laughs> that's all, that's what you want. You just want to be able to wank in VR or fucking VR or both. That's it. That's literally that's it. Yeah. Do you know actually? Do you know what would make me wank in VR? One thing I kind of hoped we'd see today, even though there were no rumors of it at all, is um, obviously we all got to get our first non-VR hands on Astro in the form of Astro's Playroom when that launched on the PS5. Right. If the next Astro adventure is VR only, like Astro's, oh. like the previous one was, like the, yeah, I forget what it's called. That was that would be amazing in VR. That would be well, it was. Ori- originally, it was VR only, right? The first Astro game was VR uh, so, I mean, sorry, sorry, if they make a new one in VR too. Yes, so, like yeah. That would be incredible. Uh, agreed, yeah. agreed. That would be a big one. Um, moving on, though, we then got a, re- a pretty cool update for uh, PC players and PC-only owners as... Um, Spider-Man, developed by Insomniac, is going to come out on PC on the 12th of August of this year, which, again, we said when we were watching it, pretty exciting update for anyone that either hadn't played Spider-Man yet and was looking forward to, or who only owns a PC, or who just wants to play that game at 120 frames a second for whatever reason. Like That's that's a neat update, and I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, f- fantastic. Um, shout out to all the uh, PC-only people out there. You're going to get a good game coming your way. Exactly. You should play it. Very, very good. Like uh, people, I know, like Steph will be kicking himself because I'm pretty sure Spider Man was one of the games he played when he like kind of bought a PS4 just to kind of catch up on that last generation of games right. and played games like God of War. And of course, now they're all coming out on PC. He probably <laughs> thinks to <laughs> yes. himself, if he'd waited a few more years, he would have played arguably the best versions of these games. So um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. One month sooner than that, and in fact, just over a month away from now, on the 19th of July, we're finally going to get our hands on the Annapurna Interactive published Stray, otherwise known as the Cat Game. Um, and not only does it still look good, Jonesy, it still looks like like a really interesting world and obviously be able to get hands on with a cat. I was about to say get hands on with a cat. That also <laughs> sounds a little bit like I'm not endorsing bestiality. What you do with your spare, spare time, then that's completely up to you. Um, basically what I was going to say, Jonesy is as if that weren't appealing enough, it gets a little bit more appealing when they revealed that it would be a part of the new upgraded PlayStation plus packages. I don't know how much money you have to pay a month to get it, but it will ostensibly be um, a part of one of those packages at launch, which is cool. Yeah, that's exactly what they need to do. Like with those packages, they need to give you a reason to want to jump on them. And a game like Stray, which whilst it's not like a fully fledged AAA game from a massive studio, it looks fantastic. And the game, the controls the game, the way the cat moves looks great. That cyberpunk world looks really interesting. Um, it's definitely a game that I'd, I'd probably have picked up anyway. But now I'll just say, hey, why am I going to do that? I'll just hop onto one of these um, PlayStation higher tier uh, levels and then I can, um, yeah. I can get it free. For, it, for free when i've already paid for it it looks like it is the premium tier up and up which i think is the middle one so again it's right. like um it's not a significant additional investment if you're already a ps plus essentials subscriber i'm hoping all of these words become second nature to us in the coming <laughs> months because at the moment they feel a little bit weird but yeah that's a cool bonus and i will probably play it that way um 
Moving on, though, to another game that I, I'm not sure I'm going to play at all, um, but actually looks really fucking cool, is the Callisto Protocol, which is the survival horror game that was kind of famous for looking a hell of a lot like Dead Space because it was being made ostensibly by the same guy or the same director who worked on the original Dead Space. Also, the game... Um, very famous for initially being pitched as being a part of the wider PUBG universe, only for them to only for them to sort of like come to their senses and announce that it is no longer a part of the PUBG universe. Um, for as much as it scares the shit out of me, Josie, I think this looked really cool. Yeah, it looked phenomenal. I'm never going to know what it plays like <laughs> because there's no way am I going anywhere near this. It looked oh. terrifying. Look. It, Dead Space was bad enough, like back in the day, with the graphics that were available and all the the capacity they had for like the visuals and the sound effects and that sort of terror then scared the crap out of me. There's no way I'm going to play this. It's too realistic. You've got weird melty men like getting in your face and dripping their goop all over you. There was a scene when a robot is like punching people in the head and making their heads explode. All of it's terrifying. And the sound, like, and just the sound effect as well. I can't hack it. There's like those wet slimy sounds and clicker sounds and stuff coming out of vents and he, he had a shotgun with like one shot in it why do they do this to you in games like that like don't do that to me if i need a foot like a i need one of those like rambo guns just to take out everyone you know with like a thousand rounds in it just um, so i can feel safe i can't have a one shot shotgun in game like somehow that. i don't feel like you're gonna get that gun in this game no, you are. But you're right. It does kind of feel in a like a reductive and also kind of sadistic way that the um, some of the people who made the original Dead Space played The Last of Us and were like, "Oh, there's a load of ways we can take our shit and make it even scarier using some of the lessons <laughs> we learned from them, uh, including like a dude essentially being hung upside down and unable to you know free himself from the situation as a, a monster of some nature walks towards him. Um, fucking gross and scary Terrifying. and uh, a game I no doubt I'm going to be forced to play by Chris at other people's, <laughs> enter- other people's entertainment. Um, and so someone will say it's a, it's much better. Wear headphones. It's much better. It's like the 3D sound. I'm like, no, no, of course not, because it's horrible. It's and I'm better. not playing that. And I'm not playing it in the dark. And I'm not playing it with a headset on. Really terrifying. Yeah. One thing, though, that you may well be able to use to kind of reduce the stress and tension that you've has been induced by the Callisto Protocol, Jonesy, is a game coming out on the 16th of August that I believe is being made by Roll7, and that is Rollerdome. Rollerdrome, excuse me, even Roller better. It's like Videodrome, um, which kind of looks like an 80s-inspired rollerblading shooting gamey thing, but with Sable's art style. What a bizarre mix of ideas, but very cool. Very strange. Yeah, it looked really cool. Um, no, a great mishmash of concepts and got to love that 80s style. So yeah, it looked, looked very good. Yes, absolutely. As we said when we were watching it, um, already more highly anticipated than uh, um, what is it even called? The Roller... roller oh, Roller... I forgot its name. I said its name earlier. Rollerball? Roller Derby? No. Roller Derby? Roller... Rollerballs. Rollerball. What the roller fuck blades? is the name of that Ubisoft game? Ubisoft Roller, roller Champions. Oh, we forgot his fucking name jesus christ there you go um All, already more anticipated yeah uh, step aside roll champions make way for roller drone um 
in August. Uh, slightly further away, though, Jonesy, early 2023, probably the game of the State of Play stream that appealed to us the least was Eternites, which was an anime action game that appeared to have some kind of elements of a dating sim involved. Um, highlights include a guy losing half of his arm and it being replaced by a sword, at which point I said, oh, that's pretty cool. And then lowlights um, being as uh, the, the, uh, the fucking control prompt that is certain to replace press x to pay your respects which was hold r2 to oh, hold r2. hands yeah uh a, a, a very good looking game again i wish i was into jrpgs i'm really not and there was nothing there that made me go this is the time to change it but you know maybe one day we'll see maybe one day um like maybe if you if you ever t- heaven forbid touch wood but if you ever end up like a like a lonely single alone man then maybe these sort of like dating sims might fill a void that's in your heart one day i'm just be- I, you know but I've- oh don't Do you know what you've just reminded me that i saw a video the other day online and it was some guy saying like how he doesn't understand how he's never got a match on a dating app and he's quite and he's a bit lonely and he doesn't think he's ever going to get a girlfriend but it's okay um, you don't need to worry about him because he's got loads of plushies and when he wants a cuddle he can just jump in the middle of all his plushies and give them a hug you're not meant to talk about the videos that chris sends us on whatsapp <laughs> on this podcast jonesy okay that's it made form. me feel so so sorry for that for the plushy loving guy maybe he should get onto the eternites and he can get the school girl and no, inf- no, we're not going to promote that attitude. And he's not going to play a turnout. He's not going to go dating schoolgirls. He's going to hit the streets. He's going to start hitting punching bags instead of his emotions. And he's going right. to get fit and swole. And he's going to wear sandals and get a beard that he didn't have before. Uh, because that's exactly what happened in Street Fighter Six. Um which Capcom obviously had revealed a handful of months ago. We got a little trailer back in the day. We had that weird dispute over whether or not they'd stolen their logo. Well, resolute as ever, they are back. We got glimpses of new characters like Jamie, alongside uh, familiar faces, Ryu, now with a newfound beard, and Chun-Li. There's also a glimpse at um, the kind of a battle hub system they're working on, and also a mode that's going to focus with some kind, of, have some kind of exploration-like element. Characters apparently seeming to wander around Metro City from a third-person perspective. Again, how that links to the actual fighting game core of Street Fighter 6 remains to be seen but it's you know it's variety right if nothing else it is and the animations still look on point the combat looked really fun and if they can sort of blend those two worlds together I think yeah more more modes more game types um is not a bad thing necessarily so no. roll on street and like street fighter is also one of those things like classic fighting game series totally respect and acknowledge its place within the kind of the the annals of video game history um but it, it's never been one that i've really clicked with i've always for whatever reason played more tekken whether on my own or with friends more tekken and more mortal Kombat than street fighter but it always has had a very engaging like look and flow and sort of like it, mm. it, in motion it's always looked very nice and that seems persistent with this uh with this new entry it does i think the last street fighter game i actually owned was street fighter 2 so i'm you know i'm looking to uh, i mean get another entry if ever there were a street fighter game worth owning i'd say 2 is is probably up there um oh it was up there yeah and hey if nothing else jonesy this is a new opportunity you can all the muscle memory will come back and you'll be doing fireballs in no time <laughs> Um, because if this trailer also wanted us to remember anything, it's like these characters all still do the same fucking moves as they did 30 <laughs> years ago. So that's good. Um, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, literally, yeah. The Capcom, the Capcom fucking 
the Bible, apparently, if the state of play is anything to go by, because uh, there was one more big Capcom reveal that would come later in the show, but we did get two smaller little reveals before then. Uh, Tunic, which has been on uh, PC and Xbox as a part of Game Pass, in fact, for a couple of weeks now, is coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on the 27th of September, and we also got a trailer for a very sort of quiet, meditative um, game with a really cool art style called Season, A Letter to the Future, that's coming out in autumn of 2022. Lots of cycling and photography and audio recording and just a kind of game that looks like it's going to have a very chilled out, relaxed vibe. Very zen. Very Jamie, yeah. Very me, like, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll be asking you how it was the week after exactly. you came out Honestly, when you've already finished it, and you'll be going, yeah, it was great. Throw in a couple of characters who are the uncertain or questioning their sexualities, and, like, I, I'm there <laughs> with a box of tissues, and those tissues are to wipe my tears away, and nothing else, you sexually deviant listeners and watchers. Um, and then, But then, Josie, we got to the big bang, the big finish of the state of play, and it was, as some people predicted, Final Fantasy sixteen. A really meaty trailer, lots of kind of like classic Final Fantasy monologuing of like talking about shit where you're not really sure exactly what they're talking about or what relevance it has to the wider story, but it sounds important. Lots of characters with overdramatic uh, hairstyles, and in lots, it seems, of like gigantic monsters fighting, like weird like health bars at the top that almost seemed like it was two gigantic, like fucking uh, Godzilla like creatures fighting each other at the same time in almost like a fighting game style like match up i couldn't really tell what was going on all i know it was it was kind of like pretty and engaging in a way that i wasn't expecting and i'm sure final fantasy fans are very happy yeah it looked but not like we were saying as we were watching it it looked great it looks it final fantasy games always look great but this did look epic and and fantastic and and massive and sprawling and large and great and everything you would want from a, a game called final fantasy um no idea what the story was about no idea what was going on but my god do they make a very good looking game and something that you want to jump into and play um but final fantasy 16 set in the medieval times apparently with like you said monsters and titans and things going on i don't know where it is i don't know what's going on i don't know what time it's set i don't know what that's got to do with 15 because i played a little bit of that and i don't even know how it relates but um i'm sure someone somewhere knows a lot better than i do um but hey it looked good, Jamie, and that's what it. Yeah, I, I, I find it best isn't. I find it best to just not second guess this stuff. And like, if it looks good, and if it is engaging, and like going back to Final Fantasy VII remake, which Chris kind of convinced me to jump in with, um, the story was coherent even for a newcomer. It didn't seem like it relied on any of the previous entries in a way that I appreciated, and the combat felt really good. And if the combat feels good in this, with like, hey, why not? Ninety hours later, you maybe will not regret your decision. That's what we're all hoping for. Absolutely, yeah. But yes, um, Final Fantasy 16 and that big trailer brought around the end of the uh, state of play for June 2nd and brought around an end, the end of the first kind of big live stream or you know whatever you want to call it of um, Summer Games Fest and hopefully a June that is going to be full of announcements and reveals and gameplay trailers and release dates and all that good stuff. And I'll be honest, Jonesy, again, as with all these things, there are going to be people who are a little bit disappointed. There are going to be people who probably expected more first-party things here, even though Sony explicitly said it was a focus on third-party and PSVR 2. There were going to be people such as myself that thought they would maybe go back on their own word and include like a God of War Ragnarok release date in here or something like that. But when you consider that often we are prepped on these trailers, these live streams of what they're going to contain for very good reason, um, this 
seemed about on the money. And, you know, it, your lever, your sort of like your mileage on it may vary depending on how much you like Capcom's biggest series and how excited you can get by Final Fantasies and the Street Fighters of the world. But I thought this is for a 25 minute thing that included like a bunch of VR titles. I thought this was pretty solid. No, agreed. And it, it was even branded like Summer Game Fest. They even had the logo on yeah. the top corner of the state of play. And I think take it as an entire season of exciting game reveals and news. And this is just the very start. This is warming you up for the rest of the game's news to come this season. You don't want to blow your wad in the first day. So I think that um, I think Sony have sort of warmed us up in the right way. And now we're ready for more news, more game releases, reveals and things to come in the next couple of months. Absolutely. And if you want to... Keep track of everything that's happening and make sure you don't miss any of those reveals or announcements or release dates or you know gameplay snippets or whatever the case may be. Then the place to be, as always, is with us uh, here at the Super Show Podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can follow us on a podcasting platform you have a choice just to make sure you don't miss an episode because we are going to spend as much of our June as we can religiously following all of the events and all of the conferences and all of the live streams and hopefully uh, deciphering all of the information we received and putting it into a bite-sized consumable version uh, for you in these podcasts um, so yeah make sure you kind of stay tuned to the future it's going to be a big month I'm looking forward to it Jonesy me too mate me too right thank you by the way for joining me on this week's episode uh, I've had like uh, just a wall or a wave of tiredness hit me in the last <laughs> 20 minutes which will be especially confusing for people when they watch the edited version of this because <laughs> we jump from obviously pre to post uh, state of play immediately and people are like why does Jamie lose like 70% of his energy in the click of a finger well it's the beauty of editing i guess yeah yeah you were trying to be all clever with your little snap and now suddenly you've realized that it makes you it makes you seem like you've all you've done is snap and make yourself sleepy Totally backfired. Totally backfired. Nah, you you you've still been full of energy and raring to go. So oh, thank, thank you. you. That's very kind of you. And thank you for being here with me and um and being my brother in arms as we waded through the battle of video game news. Thank you all for watching along. Um, wherever you are, uh, whether it's the video version, the audio version, we appreciate it. If you want to support us, that link once again on patreon.com forward slash super show. And hopefully we'll see you next week where with any luck, we will also be able to be reacting to the opening night of Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest. More exciting times ahead. Maybe we'll see you there. I'm going to go to sleep now. Bye. <laughs> see you later.